Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Uh, the funeral and laying to rest of Ashling Murphy dominates the front page of all the papers this morning, particularly the Red Tops and indeed the likes of uh, the Examiner, the Independent, all of them. Goodbye for now, but not forever, darling. The words of uh, Ashling Murphy's boyfriend. Um, he paid an emotional graveside tribute to his murdered partner yesterday, Ryan Casey, breaking down. He described her as his greatest love, the greatest love of my life. And he said, goodbye for now, but not forever, darling, as you will live on in all our hearts and memories. And yesterday, the 23-year-old teacher, Ashling was laid to rest while um, all of her family and friends stood by grieving and failing to understand why. The Mirror this morning says, Dad of five held on Ashling murder. He's a 31-year-old. He was discharged from hospital yesterday. And you'll see in the red tops this morning of the uh, moment that he was lifted, as they say in this morning's sun, the moment he was lifted um, after leaving St. James's Hospital at half past 11 yesterday morning. He's pictured leaving through a back entrance of the hospital in handcuffs along with two detectives uh, and the red tops have that. There was a lot of photography, of course, over the, the last few days, an awful lot of photography um, at the funeral yesterday. Not, not everybody's comfortable with that uh, at a time of grief, but I think all of us have been moved in the same direction uh, you know, with regards to uh, mourning the loss of another young, beautiful uh, Irish woman. Um, the papers, I mean, uh, they, they talk about uh, the fact that um, this chap has, uh, this guy has uh, have five children, not known to, uh, not known to Gardaí. Um, I see in the papers this morning, they're also saying that at one stage, the chief suspect um, was admitted to the hospital, of course, as we know, for treatment for wounds. He was admitted there last Thursday. They They say that some of the wounds uh, were actually self-inflicted. Um, but the papers also say that they're investigating the theory, I don't mean to upsetting anybody in the morning, uh, but the mail says they're investigating the theory that Ashling used her keys in a bid to save her life as she fought off her assailant. Um, he then um, apparently uh, had several injuries, as I say, some of which could have been um, inflicted uh, in the de- in the defence by Ashling, but others which they believe were self-inflicted. And, and they've also they've also seized a taxi that they believe was used to transport him uh, or the suspect, whomever it is, to uh, to Dublin from Offaly in the hours after the murder last Wednesday. And this taxi travelled from Dublin to Tullamore to pick up the suspect uh, and to um, take him uh, out of the the area. His arrest this is the second arrest, incidentally, at this stage. So he's been he's been questioned now. So that dominates much of the newspapers. A lot of them also drill into the fact that he's uh, Eastern European. Um, and, you know, many people would say, well, does that actually matter as to what country the person is from? It's an ongoing debate. So that's the front and inside pages of many of the papers today. Um, some good news, though, with regards to uh, the life that we live and the boat that we row, if you like, with uh, Leo Varadkar, a bit like Santa Claus. It's always some politician sticking their oar in, isn't there? But at least this is more positive, so we'll probably take it. He's looking for a deadline of March 31st to remove almost all of the remaining COVID-19 restrictions. He was telling the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party. I think think they're all back after their Christmas holidays today, I believe. And of course, today and tomorrow will be very important because Neffet will be meeting and then the Cabinet will be meeting and they'll 
might give us some guidelines as to what's going to happen in the next week or so. But he's saying that hospital, this is Varadkar, says that hospital admissions, uh, this isn't the star, hospital admissions are down, ICU admissions are down, deaths are down, and there's a strong degree of confidence that we can ease restrictions quickly over the next few weeks. So what would that be? Well, one or two suggesting that it might be a fairly rapid lifting of the eight o'clock closing of uh, of pubs and restaurants and what have you. But on top of that, the fact that the examiner is saying that we'll probably be unlikely to need the digital COVID search to enter a pub or a restaurant from March. Now, you'll need it for international travel for some time to come, but not anything to do with domestic purposes. You can delete it or tear it up or maybe... Maybe the world that we live at the moment put it in a drawer for now, but that it wouldn't be needed to go into a pub or restaurant after March. What date of March? I do not know. But the 8pm is certainly in their sights uh, to be reversed, lifted and got rid of. Very sad when you read uh, a report in the Examiner this morning from research at Cork University Maternity Hospital, though, because they have linked five stillbirths and two newborn deaths late last year to the impact of the Delta variant of COVID-19 on unvaccinated mothers. So that's very, very sad to hear a story like that. But how will the world be as we get back? Or indeed, how has it been for the last two years? Well, an awful lot of people working from home. And it seems that many want to continue, particularly in the age group 35 to 44-year-olds. Apparently, nine in 10 of them, nine out of 10, uh, who, uh, who could work remotely, say they would like to keep doing so when restrictions are lifted. They want to stay at home as opposed to going back to the workplace. And as you heard in the news there this morning, there's been a a winner come forward for the 19.06 million. It was sold in Laura's XL store in Castlebar, County Mayo. It makes it a much harder pill to swallow when you hear that it was a quick pick. It was just a quick pick. Um, Somebody who diligently doesn't use the same numbers week in and week out, week in and week out. A quick pick. But we wish them well, whoever they are above in Castlebar. And, you know, relationships are always very interesting as to, you know, you have to pull together. It's about give and take. It's about working together. It's about, uh, you know, doing your bit. Well, uh, there's this Irish woman uh, down in New Zealand, apparently, who has recently listed her husband for sale on an auction site after he went on an unannounced impromptu fishing trip leaving her alone to mind their two young children during the school holidays. So he now is up for auction. I don't know if anybody's bidding on the guy, but there he is nonetheless. It says, husband, farmer, hunter and fisher, um, $25. Um, That's the value that she's put on him. Now, it may climb, as he's a good-looking guy, fit-looking guy, so imagine... If she's really serious about it, another couple of zeros could be added to the end of that one. Uh, but that's one interesting thing. If you ever get fed up with your partner, you could always auction him. Uh, it's probably okay to say auction him, but I'd get absolutely lambasted if it was the other way around, wouldn't it? That a man would auction his wife, but maybe that's the world we're living in. Share a good laugh, though. If you laugh, not alone now, that's not so good for your health, but if you laugh with friends, um, you apparently vastly reduce any kind of uh, health problems in later life. Much more so than if you laugh alone. Might be good to do a combination of both. The Times this morning said, especially laughter with grandchildren. Apparently, it's really, really good for your health. And they call it, laughter, your own natural painkiller. I love that. Uh, And sometimes I feel as if I need to reach for the painkillers when I see the woke world that we're living in. There's a story now where Microsoft Word 
Um, you know the way it checks spelling? It also has kind of bias settings, apparently, that recommends better words that you might use. So words that up until now would have been very normal and used in society are now being checked and double-checked and re-recommended by Microsoft Word. So instead of, um, instead of say, for instance, a dancer, they will ask you to use the word performer instead. Um, uh, oh, sorry, like, like if, if you put in, say, words like postman pat, <laughs> they'll change it to Postal worker, Pat. <laughs> As in, the man has to be taken out of it. I just give up, I really do. The Neil Prenderville Show. And you can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. One of the conversations we were having yesterday uh, involved a conversation regarding, say, for instance, the likes of mace uh, or the use of pepper spray. And I was telling you and discussing the countries around the world where it is legal uh, and where it's illegal, um, like for instance, illegal here, it's illegal here and it's illegal in the UK, it's illegal in Spain and places like that. But some were suggesting then that uh, if anybody had pepper spray or mace, then it would mean also that assailants, attackers, burglars, rapists and murderers would also have mace. Um, but what about, say, for instance, um, uh, countries where pepper spray is legal and indeed uh, possession of a handgun as well. Uh, Liz Maddox got in touch by text, a very interesting text, and uh, we just picked up the phone, gave her a bell, and she's here on the air with me. Liz, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. You? I'm good. And you're, you're giving it to me from the perspective of, say, living in Texas for, for a decade or yeah. so. Isn't that right? Go yes, ahead. Yes, yeah. 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 yeah, when I lived in Texas, I mean, and, uh, bear in mind, I'm a girl from, from Ireland, and I, I would not be uh, used to using a gun or pepper spray or anything like it. However, in Texas, um, you would have to uh, learn how, how to use a gun and certainly learn how to use pepper spray uh, respectively. You wouldn't be going out and using either without thought. Um, there was a couple of occasions that I nearly had to use the pepper spray. Um, would I have done? Yes, I would have done. And I was just, uh, first of all, I want to make my condolences to the family of that young girl. It was appalling what happened to her. And the other thing I need to say is you can't blame every man in society for what some men do. And I think that's very important it is. Um, yeah, it for is. us here. We have some great men here in Ireland. You know, I went up to Central recently. I got my shopping at the desk and a guy came up to me and he said, can I carry your bags back to the car? And I didn't feel any fear. I wasn't afraid of that. You know, I said, oh, Jesus, thank you very much. And he carried my bags back to the car for me. And I thanked him and off he went. So we need to be careful of how we're teaching our um Look, they're fathers of, of the children here, your grandfathers. We don't want a situation where a man can't feel he can go on a bike for a ride or a man can't walk and jog and everything because he's but afraid. See, that I know you're right, but I know you're so right. And I mean? It's very yeah, important yeah. to say all of that, but I imagine that yeah, some so men... we need would, a balance. No, but I think, that some, balance. Yeah. I think that some men would, would be slow to ask if they could carry shopping because of the reaction yes, that they yeah, might get, you yeah. see. So they become exactly. very much standoffish. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, they're afraid of uh, of being of being a man and doing what you know, and being a gentleman, if you like, you know. But let's go back to Texas. Yes, um, you could you could carry this small canister of pepper spray. And I hear what you've just said, Neil, about oh well, the attacker might have pepper spray as well and use that as well. Yeah, that's you know that's a good argument. I can't argue with that. But when I put this picture of the pepper spray up on my Facebook this week, I was amazed at the feedback of the women came back and said to me, we carry hairspray, we carry bug spray, and we carry deodorants. 
So Would you believe that I got texts it. yesterday from people saying that hairspray is just as effective? And you know how you yes. can get very small canisters of hairspray, yes, can't you? Yes, it just goes And, and other, exactly. others said small canisters of deodorant are also effective. Yes, yes. So they're already doing that. So my question, Neil, this morning was, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, and we'd have to ask um, on guard Shikona, we'd have to ask them exactly if we were, if we were outside or, or in our homes and we were in a situation where we were attacked, what exactly is, especially outside right now, because we have the green waves coming up, which will be very isolated, um, you know, it will be very isolated areas. What, what, will, what would be our recourse, be a man or a woman, if we, you know, if a man came upon you and, and you hit him with a brick or something to try and save yourself, what exactly is the law in Ireland in that respect? Well, that is called... What uh, are we that, allowed to do? That's called protecting yourself and self-defence. Yeah, yeah. Like, nothing would happen to anybody um, if, if you hit somebody with a brick and they're trying to rape you or yeah. rob you. Nothing would happen yeah. to anybody if you were somebody was trying to rape or rob you and you sprayed um, deodorant or indeed uh, hairspray into their eyes. Nothing. That's just self-defense. Yes, yes. So I'm glad you said that because... Well, that that I hope question. to God. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, that's my understanding. You know that? That's my question. Do you know that for sure, Neil? You oh, yeah. I mean, out. you can use anything to yeah. defend yourself. Anything. Yeah. Like you're um, you're fighting you for your guy? life. Yeah, yes, yeah. I had a cop say to me in America, excuse me, Liz, he said, because I argued the fact when I was, uh, I was learning to use a gun, because I, you know, me, the idea of me killing somebody is absolutely out of the question. And I said this to the cop who was teaching me to use a gun. And he said to me, well, excuse me, Liz, if you were in Ireland and somebody broke into the house and was attacking you, what exactly would you do? And I said the first thing that came into my head, I'd hit him over the head with a frying pan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well... To which he started laughing and he said, Ma'am, you're in America and let me tell you something, it's you or him, you know, so you better learn how to use that gun. And so did you, exactly did, you, did you have a handgun? Yes, uh, but I did never use it. Okay. I never, and, and if I had to, Neil, I would be afraid, um, you have to learn to use it, but that's the first thing. You can't just go out and get, you can get, it has to be a concealed weapon, right? It has to be concealed. You can't just have it around you and go shooting everybody. But if I was ever in a situation there, which thank God I never was, that I had to shoot someone, I would have shot them in the knee or something. And where did you keep it concealed, your handbag? In your handbag. Every woman in Texas can keep a concealed weapon in their handbag. Okay. Or in the glove compartment of a car. What Uh, happens then if they have small children and and the gun is in the handbag in the house or something? Well, in the house you have it in a concealed, uh, you know, a, 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 a glass box sealed. It's not a very, you don't keep it in the handbag in your house if you've got any brains on you at all, you know. And if you were to take it, you know, if you went, we, we can all go shopping here to little and everything else and, and we can go to the garage. Like, the difference between living there and here, I can go to the garage and put petrol in my car. Don't even think twice about it, about being carjacked. You know, in America, you have to think you can be carjacked. You have to think when you go shopping, you can be kidnapped and taken off and never seen again. You're, you, you have to be more streetwise. You have to be, you know, when you're doing a driving test here and they're talking about perception and what you must be able to see ahead. Yeah. Well, that was the difference of living in America in Ireland. You have to be conscious of what's around you. You have to be more alert of your surroundings and, 
and, and survival, really. Okay, There's so you, uh, and, and that was a genuine fear and concern. This wasn't whipped up by American media. It was a real oh, fear. Oh, God, no. Okay. No, no, okay. no. Okay. No, you, 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 you really, the, the sharp shock I got into of, you know, not staying, I would, you know, if we would go out now and you're a passenger in a car, you'd sit in the car and you'd wait for the person to come back. That wasn't a situation in America. I remember when I first arrived and somebody said to me, you're not sitting in the car, get out of the car and you're coming with me. And I'm like, why? I'm perfectly fine, lock the doors. No, 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 you can't sit in the car, you can't stay out here. And it was that kind of difference, Neil, that shocked me into reality, right? You wouldn't see, um, it's not the same, uh, I think you can have a concealed weapon in Florida. There's there's different um, states with different rules. But as a woman, you would just be more conscious of, of your day and what you were doing. That is not the case here. It's a whole... It's a whole different mindset here. I'm not afraid of anything here, nothing. However, because of my experience in America, I'm a lot more streetwise um, than than a lot of my but friends. But it is changing here, though. I mean, we are hearing yes. of more and more awful, disgusting, tragic deaths. Yes, yes. And, and if you think of, you know, uh, you talked about the legal aid system yesterday, and I hope min- the Minister of Justice, Helen, Helen McIntyre, I hope she sits down and she thinks and she, ma- and she makes a list of all your listeners and everything, all their concerns and all their suggestions, and she sits down and she really thinks about changing legislation here and coming up with, you know, the sentences, the yes. different, uh, yeah. you know, and if you, this idea of legal aid uh, 23 times in 123 times, the Supreme Court set that up for people that had no money, that were poor, and that, um, you know, it would help them. That wasn't meant... It's not, yeah, we need three strikes, you're out. Yeah, yeah, three you strikes, strikes, you're out. Three strikes, and can you're I, out. Can I ask you, yeah. um, you, you know, we talk about pepper spray here, You and, and I don't mean to dwell on this if you don't wish to, but yeah, you said yeah. you nearly used it once. What can you tell me about I that? I did. Um, well, <laughs> I was, again, I was in a car park, and I was... Um, I was sat in the car, a friend of mine, I was working actually, and we'd gone out to get some lunch. And I argued with her uh, quite stupidly. She said uh, she was going into the shop. And, I, and me, me with my Irish words, and I'm going to sit here and wait. She went off and she didn't, she didn't, it was, she, she had to key lock the door, you know. And I never thought of the door being been locked, to be quite honest. And I looked to the right of me and I saw this fella staring at me and I thought, oh, um, He's, he's, he's looking, he was looking hard at me. I'm walking towards the car and I thought I was trying to lock the door. So I got myself in a panic, to be quite honest. Mm. And I took the pepper spray out of my bag. Would I have used it? Hell yes. And just as she came, she came back and she said, she came back within a, a few minutes. She said, I saw him. She said, I was going into the shop and I saw him looking at you. And she said, and I went into the shop and I thought about it. And she came straight back out and she reversed the car and we moved like hell and we never got what we wanted to get. So, yeah, well, you have to. What do you, you think? What do you, think I mean, you, you, so she preempted the situation by coming back she again. Knowing, the yeah, situation yeah. Because she lived there. Yeah. And she, as she was walking away, she saw him eyeing me up. And, and she just, you know, and carjacking. He might not have been after me at all, Neil. You know, they'd rather go after the car than the woman. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he so, wasn't as, he wasn't coming up to ask for change or, or the time, no, you think? No, or no, no, Were you okay? No, 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 no. He was stood there and he was staring hard. And, you know, that's the perception you have to look at. That's the perception you have to look at. If we're in a situation here, the first thing we do is call the guards. That's the most sensible thing to do. But on the spare of the moment, a second, if you've got a second to save yourself, okay. um, and, you're going to save yourself. And with the handgun, would you have to do courses then and go to a, sh- yeah, a shooting range? absolutely, yes, yes, yes. If you've got any, I'm not saying that everybody does, because as you know yourself, um, I don't know if you know this, you can go out and you can buy guns at these shows, markets and whatever, yeah. um, and the background checks now are a lot more strict than they used to be, but anybody used to be able to go out and buy a gun somewhere else. You could buy a gun in Walmart for that, for, for instance. You could, you know, but really, if you had any brains about you, you would you would learn how to use a gun sensibly, and you would only use it if you had to. That that's the main thing. So if you're if I was walking down the streets of Dallas or something like that, there's a good chance that everybody around me has a concealed weapon on them. Absolutely, and okay. every woman, believe that's me, every man knows every woman has pepper spray. Okay. How men would feel about that here? Um, I would imagine a lot of husbands um, and a lot of grandfathers, a lot of, a lot of fathers would feel safe that, that their loved ones had something, you know, and at the minute they are using hairspray and bug spray and everything else. There, it, there are people, as you say, there are people using something. Okay. But um, I know there's a listener listening in to me this morning and we talked in depth about it yesterday and he suggested that um, basic um, self-defense should be taught from school age all the way up. Just basic lessons. Uh, I fear now that you'll see the defence uh, lessons coming up and there'll be 50 and 60 euros for you to do. Not everybody can afford 50 and 60 euros for basic training on self-defence. I know, and I know. And I drilled into self-defence on Friday's programme. Yeah. We had a martial arts expert in there. Unfortunately, yeah. there was some criticism of it saying yeah. that's patronising to women. They don't need to take self-defence courses of men. Oh, leave them they alone. Do. I'm sorry, you okay. do. You okay. do. You, okay. you need to have some cop on, really. Okay. Because if you think, um, Neil, of the Ted Bundy's, the Peter Sutcliffe, you know, you can't, cl- you can't class every man as the same. And a lot of them were family men, were men, that, they are men you would least suspect doing anything to you. Mm. The Larry Murphy situation, you know, here, mm. you know, mm. put, if, if your man's going to go out and, and put a woman in a car and boot of a car and, and all the rest of it, he's going to do it. Mm. It's already in his mindset to do it. And we can't say that every man in Ireland is like that. That's ridiculous. Okay, and you that's know. fair. We have to have some balance in it. Liz, so yeah. what were you there, a decade? You came, you, you just yeah, came back yeah, to Ireland? Yeah, I'm back here. And, and really, what my biggest fear there, actually, I lived in Tornado Alley. So I was afraid of tornadoes. I was petrified of tornadoes. Mm. And um, so I'm glad I live here now. And I'm living in Casamata. And, you know, I'm chair cook other people's council. And I do a lot of things. And... I, I enjoy my life and I'm, you know, Ireland is a good place to live. I don't want to put out there that Ireland is a bad place to live and every woman should be afraid to live here because I think that's bad as well for our tourists that would be coming in. That's mm. not the case. Mm. Uh, and that's very special to get that message across. We're still a good country here, Neil, and, and really, you know, we need to to take a step back and reflect and, and think about how we think about things going forward. Mm. And that's up to our justice 
minister. You know, she's okay. there to do a job. Yeah, That's we it. mentioned the point. Thanks so much for the call, Liz. Look after yourself. Appreciate you yeah, taking me, it. Neil, and thank you Cheers, very much. Good day. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Samantha, good morning. You, Neil. Very well. Of course, the last uh, few days have been amazing in many regards. Of course, the tragic death of Ashley Murphy and many people sharing their stories and, and their emotions. Indeed, Amy's story on the air uh, regarding uh, the hell that she was put through by a boyfriend. That kind of rang yeah. true to you in the sense that you, you thought that there were a lot of similarities in your own situation back in Italy, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um, it really was, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. So when you were living there, um, you were, as we say in Ireland, going out with this guy um, who you met um, Well, I was actually engaged. I was oh, wow. engaged with this guy. And <laughs> oh, thinking back right now, it really makes me like, what did I do? But at the time, um, I got engaged really early. Like I was probably like a between... 18, 17, 18, I got engaged, so it was really early. That's young. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Don't tell me about it now. No, but I suppose um, at the time you thought this was the real thing. You were obviously very happy, excited, and delighted to be in love. I don't know, because um, it's complicated. It was a complicated relationship because, yeah. he, you know, he, he was a monster. He really was a monster. So uh, until this day, like I think about him as like how did I actually survived you I know? know I know I know and in what he, in what way was he a monster so now thinking back because you know in my kind of memory it's kind of a bit mixed up because yeah. of such a everything was extremely fast so we got together and after six months six seven months he proposed me and I said yes but he started to groom me really early in our relationship so he was um he would say like stuff like maybe that i'm not good enough in this maybe i'm not um there was something about my personal life that he would just say a very nasty comment mm. so he would start to kind of cut all my securities slowly slowly mm. um and that really happened from the really first day and at the time it's something that maybe you wouldn't even notice it you know, slowly but surely, he was turning the screws, and it sounds to me as if you almost were serving a kind of a, a sentence. Oh yeah, it, oh yes, absolutely. Um, for nearly, we were together nearly six years. Um, I could not see my friends. Uh, I had to ask permission to call my parents. Um, was everything asked permission to him? Like he was my owner. For, you know, it really was like that. Um, completely, 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 like mentally, um, I would say, um, dependent on him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very so, much psychological abuse, controlling, domineering, oh yeah. emotional yeah, yeah, abuse. Yeah. Um, did it spill into physical assault then? Oh, absolutely! Like that was, um, I would say, maybe uh, the first year of our relationship. Now we're talking like seven years ago. Now, um, really into our relationship, we he started about the first year. He started to uh, physically assault me, uh, slap me across the face, punch me, spit on me, um, and I was terrified. You know, thinking about that, I'm like, why did I leave him? You know, that's something that. 
you know, a lot of people that did not um, had the same experience often, excuse me, often asked me, but um, I was literally, I was completely dependent on him, um, you know. Um, I was he, like a prisoner. Did, you he know? Con- did he control where you went, who you went with, when you went there? Oh, Jesus, yeah. What you wore? Every aspect of my life, yeah. And was it because of that that you just, when he, when he was beating you and assaulting you and hurting you, that you just could not run away? No. Oh, my God, no. It's um, You see, like, it starts with, when I'm saying grooming, it's because it's preparing you for for what is happening. So it's it usually happening like that. It starts with, it's like an escalation. It starts with minus threatens until it kind of explodes to the real physical, like, abuse, you know? Which and is, then, yeah. and then afterwards, he never asked sorry to me. He never asked sorry only once to me. So that's something that Amy said that she, he never asked sorry to her. He never asked only once sorry to me. Yeah, never. I know. I know. And I know. but he was very nice after afterwards, you know. But um, but not not rem- did, not remorseful or apologetic or begging forgiveness. No. I'll never do it again. No, no, no. no. puppet master is what. No, it no, was no. Never, never, never even address. Um, yeah. I'll give you an example. Um, there was one of the siblings' birthday party, and we were helping in to organize his birthday party. So, long story short, um, I don't know exactly what happened, but he was driving me back to his own place, and he asked me to get out of the car because I got I annoy him too much with his birthday party and to walk home. It's like, okay. So I got off the car, walk all the way home. And then I didn't have my phone with me because obviously he had, he had my phone. Obviously, um, I mean, he kept your phone all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah all the time. Um, yeah. Um, it's, it's, I know it sounds crazy even now. Think about it. What happened? It's so bizarre. Um, anyway, uh, I walked nearly home, and what happened? Well, I think it was the most horrific experience of my life. Um, he drove into me with his car, so I, he missed me for I think few couple of centimeters. He missed me. He wanted to drive into me. Uh, he got off the car and he started punch me like with a violence and an anger I never seen before. And then he dragged me like from. From the street to his car, got into the car, got a knife out and said, like, I don't know where you were. You understand that your life, it's my property. That's that's all about that, you know. It's insane. That was the most horrific, I think, episode that I could remember. That I really thought it was going to kill me there, you know. I thought it was going to stop me. It was like, that's it, you know. This is it. I'm going to die here and now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. And the, that's and yeah. the same. You see, there were people walking in the streets that saw that happening and they did not help me at all. They just walked by and just run away from it. So there was, I was like, there's no such a thing of bystander in, in Italy, in this country. People prefer to don't see this stuff. You know, and that was just tro- so traumatic. I felt the most lonely human being on planet Earth, like, you know. Um, and he was hitting, and, punching you. Um, absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was... And people oh, walk by. violence, yeah. They say but people walk see, by because sometimes they don't want to get involved in what is a deemed a domestic dispute. But but it's not, actually. It's it's assault. But it's all about... if It's not about to get involved physically. You just call the cops. Yeah. Or and you know what you can still be like a passive bystander by doing that. Yeah, and you were I mean I mean you suffered terrible injuries to your 
to your neck, to your back, to your face. Yeah, you, you that ended was, up with uh, concussion. That was, um, yeah, that was last. Um, that was last. Um, the last time that he beat me, and I said, "Okay, enough is enough." Yeah. But that was not is that specific episode. That was about two years later. Oh, I'm but sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, it, it was. Yeah, it was no, six no, no. years. No, it's okay. It like was, yeah. it was six years of hell. But the but the yeah, grooming, yeah. the manipulation, the controlling of you, the domineering attitude. The stripping oh away God, of all yeah. of your rights, the stripping away of your freedoms resulted in you yeah. not being able to run away nor call the police. But did friends of yours not reach out to you and kind of say, get away from this animal, get away from this monster? Well, you see, when we're talking about situations like that, they're very complex because when a person is mentally dependent to his partner, there is the old grooming part has been done, so the person is actively dependent. So it is my situation with his partner. But I saw uh, it's, it's really hard to get away. So that's why, um, as I was mentioning before, like I used, I, ca- I tried to call the cops, but then when I was getting there, I was so afraid of the consequences, yeah. you know, because in my head I was so abused, so manipulated that my whole, my whole, my whole like life, my whole reality was about him. Yeah. You know, yeah. what I'm going to call the cops, all this is going to happen. Like I was afraid of this horrific consequences. I understand. If I call the police, he will just get very, very angry. That was your rationale. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How did you, so how, like, how is, did you get away? Okay. So, like I cannot remember the reason why he punched me. There was always a reason with him, like um, from putting the cup in a different way, or when he was waking up, like maybe I would move in bed while I was sleeping, and he I would touch him. I woke him up. Like I can't remember what was the reason. Anyway, but that day he punched me so hard that he he literally had a concussion, a severe concussion, and I had um, he nearly dislocated one in my cervical. Um, vertebrae in my neck um, so I came I went home uh, at that day because I was so traumatized uh, and I went home anyway and I remembered that everything started spinning around I didn't even realize that he really he seriously injured me that time you know mm. so I was like okay maybe I should go to the hospital because I was I was I was feeling very sick you know mm. especially my head was so sore so I went to the hospital, they did uh, all the scanning and everything, and um, I happened at the time that I used to work on at the hospital anyway, on the ambulance, and I had a friend working in ICU, and so I called him and I spoke with him because he was on duty, uh, thankfully, that night, and I was the first person, actually, that I spoke honestly what actually happened to me, you know, and he was horrified, he was like, oh my God, you should get away, um, I don't know. I think that was kind of a breakthrough because mm. I finally had the courage to say what actually was really happening at the time. And I was like, I want to get out. I don't know how to get out. Um, so I broke up with him. And for about, i say, maybe three or four months, maybe a little bit more, he was talking to me every day. So y- I would You mean he would, he would telephone you? Oh, like stalking me, like he was following me everywhere. Uh, it got it got so bad. He was threatening to kill me every single day. That was so horrifying. The messages that was sent me, like they were just horrific. 
And so at the time I was like, I did not say anything to my parents because I was ashamed of what happened to me. Because a lot of part of that, it's the shame that comes with experience you know you yeah. you know yeah. this is happening to you i was i was ashamed to say such a thing to my parents yeah. you know but that you know this is my experience obviously for other people maybe it's different um so like he was like i was going to work him out from work and his car was there i would receive up to like 30 messages a day where he would like tell me how horrible i am that i wouldn't ever succeed in my life without him that he's going to kill me, that if he's, if I'm not his property, I would never be a property of somebody, like, of some, anybody else. He like, is, stuff like that. That's, he's just you know, at the total. time I was, how old I was I? I was 22 years old. You were old. a young girl, yeah. He's a psychopath. Yeah. I mean, d- did he, did all that end or did you go to the police? I mean, this guy should have been arrested, prosecuted and jailed. I was afraid that I would get a big backlash, um, yeah, at the time, I was alone. I was standing alone. I didn't know any better, okay. you know. Okay, but what so if... I did not but, report him. But, but, okay, I understand. I understand. But what if he has gone on to do it to another girl and another girl? Oh, that, that, is, that's, that is the thing that it's happening now. There is another girl. And one of his siblings contacted me, like, last year, tell, telling me that they, they don't know what to do because there these things, ha- it's happening in front of her eyes and they don't know what to do. It's all about it. Like he's a seriously dangerous person. So he's doing you know, it again now dangerous. to another girl. He could kill her, Samantha. Yes, of course. That's that's a problem. Yeah. <sighs> oh my God, that's just, that's so awful. What happened to you and the thought that it could be happening to another girl? Exactly how it happened yeah, to you. Yeah, that is something that um, they're really, really. Like, kicks me up at night thinking, you know, but at the time, you, you know, Neil, like, at the time, I didn't know any better. No, I'm not talking you know, about that. I was I, afraid. I I'm just talking about the here and now and this this other girl. I, I spoke with my parents uh, years afterwards, and, um, you know, for them, it was so traumatic because nobody knew, you know. There was always an explanation. What you, you see, it was very smart because what they're doing, they don't punch you on the face. They they mark you in other places of the body mm, yeah. where it's not visible. Yeah, you I know, see? I know, I know. You know, so there are like that. That is the thing, and it, it's now after seven years. I was considering to speak with the police in Italy, but it's so hard. I'm not gonna prove that all this stuff happened. You know. Well. It could be very, very difficult with the passage of time. I understand that. I know. But yeah, at least, you know, that, that, you know mm-hmm. while I feel for that, that awful situation regarding the girl at the moment, at least you're safe um, and you're here and you've, you've got on with your life without this brute. But, but I believe that even here in Ireland, there was a, a girl that you tried to help here in Ireland or tried to intervene to help. Is that right? Yes, correct. Um, yeah. Did she find the courage? Did she find the courage to get away from the monster that she was with? I don't know what happened with her because I lost contact with her. But I know it's she's back now in her country. And what happened to her? Like she had a courage to speak up. uh, So myself and another friend of mine, we decided to go and report uh, the person that she was with. And I found that the Gardaí at the time that we dealt with were extremely unprepared of the situation. You see, what happened, when I'm saying that, I'm not trying to accuse anyone. I do feel it comes with training and knowledge, 
especially in situations like that with domestic abuse and violence violence against women, that when we do speak up for people that, like me, are victims or are going through like such a traumatic event, the moment that we speak up, it's so important and it's so delicate because to get there, this person has like an incredible courage to say, okay, maybe this this is happening to me. You see, it's not about weakness of a, of the you know the victim is not weak. Mm. It just it just like a, a, mm. a psychological manipulation. So I understand what happened yeah. there. The person that I dealt with was not prepared and was not was not what not prepared or unsympathetic or uh, absolutely or unsympathetic. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm sympathetic. So you see, you can get barring yeah. orders against violent partners. You know. Or yeah, not just like, violent, but they can be. It can be physical, psychological, controlling. This, in this case, was severely physical, like you know, and um, there was there was like alcohol abused from the partner at the time, and um, that really, 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 really makes makes me really angry because he messed it up. I know. <laughs> that's a, that's a nice way to put it. He messed it up. Um, yeah, at the time. It could have been done more, and um, I don't know if they're still together now. These two people, both. Uh, you say women are slow to report, uh, let's say domestic violence or different forms of abuse because they're afraid of the consequences, which is kind of sad, yeah. really, because the consequences also can mean that their life can be an awful lot better if they report it. I know, but that's but what the I manipula- think about- manipulation traps them. But there's also the aspect that. Uh, you know, you can get a restraining order against this person, but the person can still walk around happy out. She can, you know, present itself mm. in your own house. And it's really, really hard to get a barrister order. And then it it all comes down to collect collect uh, the information, you know, taking picture of your bruises. I know. Uh, take I know. a diary of what happened to you. And in my own personal experience, I could not take a diary of what happened to me. He had the complete control yes. of my own life. I know it, I know it. So, I know. Many, you know, many people are trapped in various forms of toxic relationships. I have to say, men as well as women, I must say, you know, it can, it can, it can, swing, it can swing both ways. Did it, did, it, did it affect you then in your relationships with men, your trust of men? Uh, yes, of course. But in general, like I think um, the trust with people, because I, I found people at the moment, especially for the episode that people walked away while he was beating me up like so hard. And you see this young girl like that is being beat up like, but this guy and this, you know, adults walk away. I know. Um, I think it all comes down to be a better bystander, you know. I know. You can assess the risk. If it's too dangerous for you, call the cops. Uh, just don't turn your back away. Yeah. That's just don't that, do nothing, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. it could happen to anyone. I, I mean, obviously what happened, I don't know what happened to Ashton. Uh, but like, you know, is there people that walked away from it? How you know? Just I'm just saying. Obviously, I'm just just speculating. I'm not saying. Who knows? But if if there are people that maybe there was the same situation that I had, that people just walked away. Did you, you know, describe? Did you anything. describe the verbal abuse as worse than the physical abuse? Is that right? Yes, correct. Um, and the reason why I said that it's because many stuff that he told me are still very very painful to yeah, me. Yeah. Okay. Like um, mm. yeah. 
But, you know, it's all about self-empowered, start to believe in yourself. Um, oh, you should and so much. Yeah, he was completely should. wrong. He was completely <laughs> he, wrong. Yeah. Look at you now. Yeah, yeah, he was completely wrong. Yeah, I know, but, um, you, you know, now the person that is with, I'm very worried about this person. And I we know. don't know, know how to help her, obviously, because... Um, Everything starts from her, unfortunately, you know. You believe so she has to make the first step then? It's not a case for the police? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's not a case that, like, obviously the police, everything, it's, you see, she needs to have the courage to trust in few people. Like, you know, that night I trust my friend and I'm, I'm going to be forever grateful to him, you know. And what would you say to people who may be listening to this who find themselves in a situation that sounds very similar to yours? So don't be afraid you know what is worse you know than the situation that you're right now tell somebody that's solution especially in Ireland you have service of really great people that can help them and as well you know all it takes is one person for me I mean I mean for my situation all it takes yeah was your, one your person pal. to yeah. save my life yeah. and you know yeah. And at the time, I didn't go to any service. I didn't know anything about it. Because it, they're so not uh, founded in Italy. And I believe even in Ireland as well, like, you know. But all it takes is one person to help you out, you know. And when you make that decision, that's it. I never look back, Good. you know. Good, So glad I got an opportunity to talk to you and allow you the... Um the ability to to share your story. Um, Good luck to you going forward, Samantha. I'm glad that you're in a much better place. Mm, Thanks, Amelia. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Ah yes indeed listening to Lana and the news there and the Castle Bar Lotto win and when she just mentioned the line in the story about the shopkeeper uh, couldn't believe it when the two Lotto men walked in her front door into the front door of the shop it reminded me of I don't know if I don't know if you guys have seen Waking Ned one of one of the greatest films I ever saw in my life. I must have seen it a dozen times. Oh, it's just a mind-blowing film. If you haven't seen it, you are so lucky because seeing it for the first time is such a great experience. So Waking Ned is about this island uh, off the coast of the west of Ireland. I don't even know if it was filmed in Ireland. Lana was telling me she thinks it might have been filmed in the Isle of Man. I don't know. But it's supposed to be on a remote Irish island where there's a lotto winner. Um, and of course... I don't want to be spoiling it too much, but the lotto winner, uh, for reasons of the fact that he was dead, couldn't claim the lotto prize, but they found the ticket in his house. <laughs> and then it's a case of the whole the whole island then coming up with the plan to fool the lotto man. It's just incredibly funny with a great soundtrack, a brilliant movie, and it stars David Kelly, that incredibly talented Irish actor who died some years back. So he was in Waking Ned. Um, he, I mean, his career was... Incredible. He played Rashers in, in Strumpet City, uh, another great production by RTE back, back in the day. If you haven't seen that, it's worth watching. It's about um, Dublin in the 20s. Um, he was in Faulty Towers, where he played O'Reilly, the rogue builder. And wouldn't you know it, that the rogue builder would be Irish. Um, so he was in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Apparently, uh, Lana was telling me he was in Emmerdale. Uh, and lots more besides, Glen Rowe and things like that. Incredibly talented, but Waking Ned... It's just one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. 
if you've seen it, I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, listen, lines open. Uh, you can pick up the phone on 0818104106 and you can text 0868104106 for comment. But I did get an email in following yesterday's program, uh, my interview with Amy. Uh, a lady called to say that, would I please clarify that the Shane Green, who was convicted um, of the horrific assault uh, on Amy, is from Blarney. Uh, and this woman got in touch to say that they have a fam- family member in Churchfield called Shane Green, and people have been on to them. She just wants to make sure people knew that it is not Shane Green from Churchfield, but it is a Shane Green uh, from Blarney. And I'm happy to do that and uh, hope that no upset was called, caused. Uh, I think I did make it clear in the interview. But I'm happy to do so again. A um, lot of texts and emails on this, um, uh, particularly my conversation with Amy from yesterday. Uh, what a vile, heinous crime. My heart goes out to her. Our law seriously needs reform. We have a female minister of justice. We are all watching to see what she will do. But this role needs to be filled by someone from a legal background. Serious sentence reform. Uh, and no bail allowed whereby further acts of violence or crime can be committed. Shame on the government to date. Shona makes a very valid point about somebody from a legal background being involved in changing our laws and acts. You see what Barry Galvin did when he became head of the Criminal Assets Bureau. I mean, he, he, he was so impactful in changing uh, how we caught and dealt with criminals by going after their money. He headed it up from a legal background. Sometimes you need to be looking at people who are actually involved day to day or even outside-the-box kind of thinking. That's what Barry Galvin brought. Uh, that woman should, should be so proud of herself, Amy. To even be able to talk about it is a statement of her character. Uh, this country is a joke. You do the crime, you should do the time. The time he actually got is disgusting. Uh, she no wonder they do it. They'll think, sure, I'll be out soon. Uh, I hope she knows how proud she should be as herself as a person. Uh, the strength of her. Uh, tell her thank you for telling her story, says Lorraine and Glanmire. So that's meant for you, Amy. Um, I screamed so loud at this story listening. I'm so sorry that this happened to her. So glad that she's still here to highlight it. Uh, the guardie let her down. The courts let her down. When she went to the guardie first, why wasn't she brought straight to the hospital and not to a GP? That guy gets a lenient sentence because he's on drugs and he says he's sorry. Uh, this just clarifies that the system here does not care for us women uh, these monsters should be locked up forever, says Neov. Following my conversation with Amy yesterday, uh, and uh, if you missed it, then it's available on the podcast and online. I was married for a long time to my husband, and he never ever put a hand on me. Surely he has a bed in heaven. Where is all this beating women coming from? Is it something to do with their upbringing? Do these guys see it in their homes, I wonder? Uh, says Maria and Clon. Neil, a fella got seven years for abuse and rape of his sister here in Cork. Similar case in Mexico, the fella got life with no chance of parole. This is what should be done here. Sentences here are way too low. The court system's a joke. Uh, domestic violence is seen as nothing. You turn to the police for help and they don't help you. And when you have a child with your abuser, your life is totally over. They give them their rights and equal parenting and they use that as a way to abuse you and your child's life. I'm counting down the years till my, t- till my child turns the age where they can break free from my abuser. Um, and more. There were a lot of unanswered questions in Amy's traumatic story. Um, I know, where was the other girl? Actually, you know what? I, I won't go into that because I had to separate the, uh, the other individual who was in the house at the time because of a separate prosecution. And so if there are unanswered questions from my conversation yesterday, believe me, they are for legal reasons. Uh, what an amazing girl. My heart is broken as this is so like my own story with my daughter's dad. But unfortunately, I was never strong enough to press charges. Instead, I watched him leave the country 
only to return some years later to cause more havoc. But having to start the fight all over because of not having a leg to stand on, I just wasn't strong enough eventually to press charges at the age of 22. But Amy is amazing and so incredibly strong. I certainly admire her strength, says Kate. Um, What happened to Ashling was awful, don't get me wrong, and may she rest in peace, the poor girl and her family, going through such torture. But why are they making her death such a big scene? Is it because she was someone? Is it because she was a teacher? Is it because she was a musician? And what about all the other women who were brutally murdered? And it was never blasted all over television or radio. Just find it a bit wrong to all of the other women. It's an interesting text on it. Um, um, I'm, I'm not even going to comment on that, but uh, I understand what you're saying. I mean, there have been many others in the past. I'm so troubled over Ashling's murder. It's so desperate. My own daughter was murdered in 1985, says Helen Murray. Perhaps the Ashling uh, Murphy death is just the breaking point, and, and that's why there's so much attention to it, that people finally are saying Enough is enough. We need radical change. Mind you, can't understand, Neil, if the family of Ashley Murphy are asking for space, why the president, the Taoiseach and all the camera crews showed up at the funeral. Thank you for those. Um, Maybe just one or two more ahead of the ad break, then some more calls. Eleven years I put up with stalking. The man worked as a civil servant, so was seen as being an upstanding citizen. The guards told me it was a civil matter. It's it's far from a civil matter. I I can't understand why you got that advice. He went too far, though. He ended up sending letters and signing them. He was spying on my house, but my son had this on video. The amount of proof I had. Eventually, the guards took my phone for a month and listened to the messages being left. To start with, he was banned from coming over the bridge to the north side of the river. But he only got a two-year suspended sentence. Eventually, I made official statements. One great guard at the end took me very seriously, and it made all the difference. I have the letters... Um, I'll give him his name, but I don't want his name mentioned. And she tells me who he is. Uh, We'll only bring up 11 years of hell again if I hear the man's name on the radio. This stuff goes on and women feel like they uh, brought it on themselves. So they get embarrassed. Uh, His two years are up now. So I can't walk anywhere on my own anymore. My two years of freedom have come to an end. Selection of text to 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. To be quite honest with you, this would really be a day where I don't need to take any calls or put anybody in the air, such as the backlog of texts and emails and stories that are being shared. So I will come back to them throughout uh, the course of the morning because everybody deserves to be heard. But other things are happening today as well. Of course, the government are back after the Christmas holiday. I know. Don't even talk to me about that. But the politicians will claim they've been working away throughout January. So they're back today uh, and the cabinet will meet later today and then Neffet are meeting tomorrow. And the way they do it, it's like sprinkling a bit of salt on a meal or sugar in your tea. They tend to kind of give uh, little bits of information, different leaders. Uh, it can be sometimes it's Michal, sometimes it's Harris, sometimes it's Donnelly and sometimes it's Varadkar. And Varadkar's the latest one now is talking about, you know, we're trying to work out when and it should happen soon. Get rid of the, you know, the passports, lift all restrictions. And they're going to come up with a thing called a new Freedom Day deadline. So one of the first things that could tumble is the eight o'clock rule for pubs and restaurants and what have you. Uh, so your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. I'm joined by Mike Ryan. He's the owner of the Corn Store and Cock Bull in Cork and Limerick. Morning to you, Mike. Neil, good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, can you okay. hear me? You're not on speakerphone or anything, no? 
No, no, I'm on headphones, but I could come up. Yeah, would you, would you mind just taking those out there and it'll just strengthen up the phone line? So today's an interesting day as to whether or not there will be some kind of an announcement, perhaps from from someone within cabinet, you're hoping, some kind of a possible leak in advance of the NEFIT recommendation. Is that what we're looking at, maybe? I only got a small bit of that, Neil, but um, sorry, would you mind repeating it? I'm just saying, with the cabinet meeting today, could we expect some sort of a leak in advance of an official announcement, perhaps with regards to 8 o'clock, or are you thinking that way? Now, come back after the break. We'll come back to that in a few minutes' time. And we've actually, just to tell you what I do, I'll just hold down there so I can fix up the line and come back to it then in a, in a few minutes' time. Um, as I said, I could be the whole day, uh, without doubt, without a phone call, uh, just with regards to texts and emails over the last few days. Some men and women need to change their attitudes, says Anthony. We're setting up an anti-male society now, which will actually just make matters worse in the long term and not better. He says, I worked in hospitality for years. I was touched up by women. I had the filthiest things said to me, but like most men, I just got on with it. I believe if men reported domestic abuse, the figures would balance out. But as men, we just don't. Do you really think that they would balance out like a scales that would balance? Pat says eight years with one suspended for rape is a joke of a sentence in Ireland. Rape should carry a minimum of 20 years and no early release. Serious crimes especially need to have their sentences reviewed and increased substantially. Well, the DPP does appeal sentences that are are too short we, we see that a lot um, I'm at work but I can't come on air but I remember a few years ago I was walking through town and saw a man hitting a woman so I went over and tried to intervene but they both suddenly turned and the woman started hitting me with the heel of her shoe and the man started punching me I was left really shaken after trying to help that woman is it any wonder why some people don't intervene? And then another texter says that he does not like the anti-male agenda that is creeping slowly into conversations. He also thinks the consent classes are a joke. Once alcohol or drugs come into the mix, common sense flies out the window. And consent classes will make no difference. Uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg of text. I'll come back to I'll see if that line's any better. See if Mike is uh, able to hear me now. Mike, good morning. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that'll do, that'll do, absolutely. Technology is great, isn't it? Okay, it is. It's not the greatest line, but here we go nonetheless. So, okay. what, what, are you, what are you expecting? I know the Cabinet are meeting later today and Neffet tomorrow. I, I was just wondering, do you think you might get some, uh, or the vintners or indeed restaurateurs might get some information in advance of an announcement publicly? Do you know what I'm saying? Well, hopefully, because we need a bit of a lead-in time. We can't be just the night before, you're all good to go again. Um, I think there's been a, a groundswell with the politicians are hearing it when they've been at home and uh, over the holiday period and stuff. So I think they're going back. Today's their first day back. I think they're going to, they know the public sentiment out there is that like, why is it, why, why have they living life under a curfew when I suppose the measures were brought in at a time when they didn't know what was happening and Omicron was just coming into the country. Mm -hmm. So it was a bit of a, a, a move to save the, or, you know, to protect the, the health service again. Um, and then it's transpired that thankfully it hadn't been as serious as everyone thought. Yeah. So it is time now to lift restrictions. Yeah. And and ICU numbers are steady and confirmed cases are down and um, and all of that indicates uh, good times to come. Like some, some are suggesting it could be by the end of the month. But then there's one of the newspapers talking about the possible lifting of closing times by the weekend. I don't. Um, by the weekend coming, I doubt very much because Neffet meets on Thursday. 
and they, they've traditionally never, they meet again then on Monday or Tuesday. A day government will, the okay. cabinet will meet on Monday and Tuesday and then they'll announce it. So it'll probably be next weekend, I would imagine. I don't think it'll come in that quickly. Okay. And they've, all, and they've always said that it's going to be towards the end of, the, the end of January anyway was the plan. But that's only 10 or 11 days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, listen, the sooner the better for, and, and for, I think, everyone involved, especially when people can see that, like, in real terms, what has the 8 o'clock done? Yeah, but, but Mike, January's a write-off anyway, isn't it, for hospitality? It's just not a great month, no? Yeah. no, it's not. No, it's not. Now, what is going to help is the, the bars, more, more so than the restaurants. But, like, you know, there's, there's, more, there's more elements to hospitality than just restaurants or just bars or just nightclubs. It's, it's, it's the whole package, it's the whole nighttime economy. So people aren't, if people don't want to go or can't go to a bar after they go to a restaurant, they're not coming to the restaurant or they're coming to the restaurant earlier. That's right. So like it's, 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 it's like it all, it's all intertwined. So if, if bars can't open or, and I know they said they will, they, they will um, stage the opening uh, through the month. I would imagine that I think they still, if you read between the lines, they don't want nightclubs to open straight away. Right. So right. I, think, I think the next thing we're looking at is maybe a 10 or 11 o'clock. They'll be pushing it back. I don't think it's going to be fully. Well, maybe it will be, and hopefully it will be. Yeah. But, you know, it, what we're kind of hearing is that it'll be staggered uh, reopening. But I don't know. We don't know. It's like it's like at every time we're left with the guessing game. So hopefully we get a bit of information yeah, yeah. a few yeah. days before, or like a week before, they actually make an announcement. You could get news of it at the, we- at the end of this week with um, a target yeah. date for the weekend after next, possibly. And, and, and you're saying that it's important on a number of different levels, of course, that people can get back to visiting restaurants and pubs at times that suit them, but also for businesses to survive and, and get people employed again. But employ- getting staff's been a problem and it will continue to be a problem, won't it? It's going to be a huge problem going forward. An awful lot of people have left the industry, gone to different countries. Some people, Irish people, have left to go to different countries and work there. And people that have been from different countries working in Ireland traditionally have gone because there's no continuity of work. So um, you have to try and get people back in. Um, like there's going to be a mass. It's a massive lead time to train someone from um, going in and not knowing anything about working in a kitchen, for example, to getting them up to a chef de partie level. That's years. That doesn't happen in a couple of months. So, like, there's there's a long-term damage to the industry. Like, I think there's the short term is is quite difficult. To, it, it, first and foremost, it's just to get enough bodies to open restaurants seven days a week, and to have enough bodies, of customers coming in the doors to su- su- facilitate all the restaurants. Have we because, uh, have we seen that a lot of people have just taken up different jobs and left the industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know you say a lot went home and that would be people from Eastern Europe or European citizens, yeah. but, but others have just said, you know, this is too precarious of an industry to be in anymore. Yeah, well, like with the last two years, it definitely has been. And I suppose you've had people that were leading up to the pandemic in 2018, 2019, there was, a, there was we, weren't, we weren't producing enough people coming through the, co- the catering colleges um, because it wasn't seen desirable for one reason or another. And that has to go back to you know, there has to be a back to the grassroots development when it comes to dealing with schools and stuff and giving people that it is a, an option for a career. Um, How can it be an option for a career when it's minimum wage? But I, you see, the thing is, I, I think anyone that's thinking that the industry, that, like you're thinking someone that's coming from college 
and working part-time. There's no manager, there's no supervisor, there's no chefs in any kitchen in the country that's on minimum wage. Right, yeah. So anyone that thinks at this stage in the, in the discussion that, it's, that the minimum wage is an issue, it's, a, it's, a, it's an employee's market. It has been for two, three years. So if it's an employee's market... There's no one coming in working anywhere for minimum wage. Yes, but in would fact, a food, a food, okay, maybe maybe you're talking about a chef then, for instance, or maybe a, somebody in management. But would a full-time waiter, full-time waitress, full-time bar person be able to raise a family and get a mortgage on on a well, salary? I, well, what's the the living wage now is what do they say it is twelve ninety or twelve fifty? I'm not a hundred percent, but I can guarantee you most people in the industry that have been in there uh, a couple of years that have actually cut their teeth in the industry and actually um, have skills are getting paid more than that. Yeah. And there's people walking into jobs more than that. The, the, to be honest with you, the, that, that part of the that's not an issue. And I suppose maybe it's in people's heads still. And that needs to go out there and tell people that, you know, I, that, that, that there is people can make good livings out, out of the industry if they want to do so. Yeah. But like it was, a lot of people of a certain age, like say my age on, would have worked in the industry when they were doing something else. And I did something else when I was in college years ago. And then I worked in the industry, but I'd been in the industry prior to that. And I suppose, yes, it, was, it wasn't good. And everyone has to admit that it wasn't good. Because it seems to be an employee's well. market now at the moment, isn't it? Oh, it is, 100%. And that's the way, and you know what? That's the way it should be, because that sharpens up businesses. I don't think anyone, anyone that's actually serious about their business doesn't have an issue with that. They don't, you know what I mean? Because it means that the right people are coming to you, you know. But how, um, how are you and other businesses like yours going to be able to open the seven days and um, have full days when you don't have full capacity of staff? It's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. But then again, I don't think we're going to have full capacity of customers either. I think because, I, like you'll see a lot of places even right here and now are closed Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays around the city. And yeah, sometimes it's because they don't have staff or because they have too many staff with, with close contacts and all that's been part of it for the last couple of weeks. But there's more to it, actually, than that because there's not, a, there's not that many people. There's still people working from home. A lot of people are working from home. Mm. So you don't have that daytime... Um, like yeah, I know. Yes. Yeah. You know? So there's... You know, I don't think it's going to come back. I, no, I know it's not going to come back. You, look, we'll all be busy on a Saturday night. But I think you need seven good... You need seven days. You need five good days to keep a business going. And I'm not sure if there's actually five good days right now. Now, there will be probably by quarter, end of quarter one, coming to quarter two. You're talking back uh, in March into April then, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that I think people will, there'll be a bit more of, we call it normality, but of how people will operate. So you think, that some, you think that some people will just decide to keep their businesses closed and take the EWSS until then? I don't think so. It won't be available till then. I think if people are making that decision, they're making it because they're under pressure for staff. But listen, there's an awful lot of people, by the time the EWSS is gone, come the 1st of February, the EWSS for businesses is reduced to 42, by 42%. Yeah, it's not. By the next, in the next couple of months, unfortunately, you're going to see businesses, they're going to see that they're, they're not viable. Like there's been a wage inflation in the last two years. There's uh, uh, even anyone that's doing in seat in their shopping basket, even now, the cost of everything or refueling your car, everything has gone through the roof. That's no different from the cost of food. So what's going to have to happen is to sustain everything that's gone up over the last two years with the wage subsidy being taken away, there's going to be an increase in menu prices and what people are charged, same as everywhere else. And it's going to be, it's going to be difficult to balance what the consumer will, will, is able to pay with their disposable income and what you have to charge for 
to try and keep your business viable. So that you're saying it's not possible for restaurants to absorb that increase themselves, they're going no. to pass it on? Oh God, no. Not, not when you're talking about the base level on most costs of most produce is at a minimum gone up 15% since last November. I've, I've looked at prices Why? that have gone up 100%. Why? Shipping, uh, bringing like a lack of meat in the country. So we have exported, we're, we're sending over, I don't know, is it 45 to 50% more beef across the border than we ever did before because the EU or because the, the UK are, is finding it difficult to source beef in Europe. So basically a lot of it's coming from Ireland. So and that's, that's costing us more then because there's less of it available yeah. to us. Correct. Same with the lamb. Lamb is going to be a ridiculous price come spring because uh, the French were a massive market for the UK. The French aren't getting to the buying lamb off the UK, so they turn to the Irish market. But our market's not big enough to supply uh, the French market and, and so on. So there's going to be a shortage here, so prices are going to so. see prices gone up. That's just a small snippet. There's, uh, if you want any product that's an Asian product, so like say coconut milk or anything like that, because of transporting, there's a whole container issue. That's a whole program chat about that, mm. about containers, and the containers only got into a commodity at this stage for shipping. You can't get you can't get produce over from uh, Asia. So prices, if you can even get it, uh, the product, the product prices have gone through the roof. So it, the, the cost of doing business, no, no, no different than people, someone that's building a house and they've seen the cost of steel or cement going up. Same reasons, mm. you know. Mm. So everything is going up. So when it comes to say with the EWSS, once they're lifting, it's like it's important the EWSS is left in for another while so businesses can gradually ease into the transition because any kind of a big cut-off with that, and a big cut-off is taking 42% off it straight away on the first. So they're talking about lifting on January uh, 31 and then um, the EWSS has been reduced on the 1st of Feb. Yeah, so, so there's, no real, there's no real attraction to, to stay in it. Um, are, you, are you hiring then all of the time? Like all any all other the business? time, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, we are. And, and you know, we, we've we been tipping away all the time. Even di- now, I find this is a great time because it's not a pressure time. It's very hard hiring in December when it is actually busy and then giving people time to actually bed in and actually go through the whole procedures of training people correctly. Whereas January is actually a great time um, to, to actually train. And who are, you looking, who are you looking for within the industry and you in particular? Is it college students? Or are you trying to get no. away from that where you're looking for career options for people? Uh, no, it's only career... But, to be honest with you, students are fantastic and they always have been and they always will be going forward. But I suppose their timetables doesn't, don't suit when it comes to exams and everything else, actually, if they're in a business. So they're coming into December, oh, I have exams. And that's understandable, but that's the busy time when they, they, can, they have loads of time in November, but you're not that busy in November. So this is the problem. So you need, need people that you have all year round. Now, obviously, you're going to have to yeah, you use... Um, staff that can come in and out, casual staff as well, because like, you know, some people use the industry to dip in and dip out to suit their own needs but for ourselves, as a business going forward the core members of the team have to be full time, and that's what we're looking for we're And looking is, there, for, is there an age profile then, or would you even admit to that? Like, I often hear that people 50 oh, plus so feel then. as if they're invisible <laughs> and nobody's interested Well, th- th- that'd be a bit rich if, was, if I was looking at a CV and I said someone was too old and they're, they're slightly younger than me Yeah, uh, but, no. but do, you, do you know um, what I mean? It's, it's, it's like yeah, as if I, yeah, look, I can, I can see people might have that idea uh, uh, but no, not I, I listen to the, the you know the adage of you know um, an old head, a cool head. You know what I mean. Th- yeah. th- that's it's it's essential, and you need that. You need people that are have been around and seen it. Like you know, you have a lot of people that come in, and younger people. And you have to when they're, they haven't had the same life experience as dealing with people, and 
they might take, you know, they, they, they might just be too, get too upset over something. Yeah. Whereas you have someone that's going, ah, look, don't worry about that, we'll deal with that. Yeah. Or they might have done something wrong to get really upset about it and go, no, The maturity of years, yeah, to calm a situation. It does, and so you need a balance. Because at the end of the day, like, my knees are nearly shot. I can't run around up and down the stairs as like I used to. So I need people that can actually do that. But like, you know, we're all the same. It's every business is the same. You know what I mean? At some stage, I'll be put out the grass and someone that came in and as a young person came in, came up to the ranks and they'll take it over. That's right. That's why you hire. natural progression of things. Yeah. Yeah. You hire people that want your job. Yeah. Like anyone that's looking for a job, tell the employer that they want their job. That's, you know, but that's all you want. You want to hire someone that wants your job because you want the replacement. Career you know, hungry. That's, a, that's yeah. one of the best lines I've heard in a long time, actually, in fairness yeah. to you. Yeah, that would make you know, for great employees, the ones that want your job. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because, like, I mean, they're going to be driven, aren't they? Yeah. You know, you know <laughs> and then I just I tell people very quite quickly, like, be careful what you wish for. That's another thing. <laughs> all right. You know? Well, I don't know. Let's see what you guys are wishing for and yeah. let's see what the next few days bring. But thanks for taking the call, Mike. Cheers for now. Thanks. Thanks, Mike Ryan at Corn Store and Cockbull. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Cabin of Meat today, Neff at Meat tomorrow. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818104106. Yeah, there is cheap enough petrol and diesel, well, cheaper petrol and diesel across from Harvey Norman's there on the road out to the uh, roundabout, onto the main roundabout in Kinsale Road. But others then are talking about uh, price increases and cost of living. Some petrol stations around Cork are still charging 174 for petrol. All over the country it ranges 166 to 168. Can you raise the topic? Maybe there's no point. No, there is a point because you really... I don't know how many people actually do look at the price of petrol or they just continue to go to the same petrol station. I'm always checking it because I think if you're using up a lot of petrol or diesel, it saves you money in the long run. Um, and some, one or two, you go into some of the, and you, you say around the country, some of the country petrol stations can be quite expensive as well. Uh, but I do appreciate what you're saying. Some of them are way off kilter, like 166 and some 174 and others. you got to wonder. Another thing that somebody asked me to highlight was the fact that uh, my daughter goes to Colosh to Eamon Reach Secondary School. She's in second year. Uh, the few weeks coming up to Christmas, the windows were open in the classrooms and my daughter had an ongoing cough. Uh, they finished up for the Christmas holidays. The cough was gone. She's back in school one week and the cough is back. I'm really thinking of leaving her at home. Uh, it's a disgrace they have to sit in classrooms for over six hours in these conditions. Also, she's allowed to wear a jacket in the classroom, but it doesn't make any difference. I thought the schools were told to open the windows in the morning and the afternoon, but not all day. Uh, you should highlight this in your show. God knows I've done it over and over and over again, the situation in classrooms, but I'm pass it, happy to pass it on. While she's freezing, of course, many people are looking for a bit of sun and heading off overseas to the Canaries and what have you. Um, and if you have your European COVID digital certificate, you won't be subject to any isolation or quarantine on arrival. There'll be no bother at all in the whole wide earthly world. But do bear in mind, uh, that some islands are under different levels. Some are on level three, some are on level four. We were chatting earlier in the week about, um, was it on Monday or Tuesday? We were talking about Tenerife and it was cloudy and rainy. I don't know what it's like today, but uh, I think that was maybe the exception. They look forward to a bit of rain from time to time. But Pat is in Las Palmas on Gran Canaria. Um, and uh, apparently last time we spoke to him, they'd run out of Guinness. But Pat, good morning. I hear the Guinness is back anyway, at least, is it? It is. The, the Guinness is back, but it's actually raining here as well in a small bit coldy. There you go. Any better. <laughs> there you go. I feel great. Well, I don't for yeah. those that are there or have headed out there, but it's it only a temporary thing, is it? It doesn't last long. I mean, we had 
in the last couple of days, we had a thing called La Kalima, and that's actually sand from the uh, Sahara Desert, you know, and it looks like a big haze, but that, that usually doesn't last more than a week either, you know. Yeah, I know what but you're like, saying. It was lashing rain on Monday. I know. Have you have you seen uh, any increase in Carconians or Irish people arriving? It was very interesting listening to your last uh, caller there. Or the um, the amount of Irish in Las Palmas at the moment, and it's like all young people who are working remotely. It's unbelievable. Really? What do you mean? They're just living there and working from there? Yeah, I've been talking to a few of them. And they're all saying the same thing. They're saying that living in Ireland now is really difficult at the moment. In that um, the bars are closed, number one. But they were saying like rent, cost of living, uh, buying a house, everything. So they're actually coming over to places like this, having a better quality of life and having a great time, you know. They're clearly people involved in work that uh, means that they're working off their laptop and what they need is exactly, Wi-Fi yeah. and, and nothing yeah. else, really, so they can do yeah. Zoom calls. and So it doesn't suit any, everybody. But, but for those that do, have groups of them moved over and they're doing house shares or is it what, couples or yeah. individuals or what? It's actually starting to get uh, difficult here now to get uh, apartments as well because there's so many coming over. And actually, you know, I'm looking for a house at the moment, the, yeah. like an apartment. And there's a Welsh lady helping me, and she actually told me that all the time Scandinavians and Germans were her biggest market until the last year, it's the Irish. Okay. The, okay. Irish, the Irish are in Las Palmas. Okay. And somebody that moves over, say from Cork, that can work remotely or from home, instead is working from the Canaries, would they save, save an awful lot of money? All big time, Neil. Everything. I mean, prices are going up here as well, I've seen it. Like, but it's from, it's from a lot lower level, you know. Like you can get a pint for two euro. You can get like you can get a meal for seven or eight euro. You know, it's way cheaper. Our supermarket and costs cheaper as well. You know what? Cost. It's funny you should say that. I don't think they are. And um, funny enough, I just think in Ireland we have a lot more competition, you know? Yeah. And I do find the price of certain stuff in supermarkets here a bit more expensive than home, you know. So the ups, what, is the, what is the upside then to remote living and working from the Canaries for a Cork person? It's, incidentally, it's probably, am I right in saying it, it's a younger generation that's travelling to work? It's there, a younger it? generation, okay. yeah. It's so they get generation. cheaper cheaper hospitality, cheaper booze, cheaper eating out, cheaper rent. Cheaper rent, uh, sunshine, like uh, at the weekends, like they're hiring cars and going up to the mountains, all that kind of stuff, you know. Everything is cheaper. And like I was on plating this last weekend, I had two friends on holidays, and I paid uh, 98 euro for two nights in a, a bungalow down there, you know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. So it's a win-win oh, yeah. all round. And does it does it also follow that their employers know that they're in the Canaries? Oh, they do, yeah. Absolutely, 100%, you know. Okay. Um, okay. okay. It's not like last year when you had a few people over here, I think, on the PUP, PUP yeah. payment. Yeah, yeah. It's a totally different thing. People are walking legitimately and their employers know where they are, you know. Okay. And the Wi-Fi here is brilliant, you know. But you've moved from level three to level four in Paris, haven't you? What does that mean? Yeah, on Grand Canary, you know, actually yesterday they announced that we're moving to level four on Friday. Um, so that's like two, uh, for people like me and the younger people, it means the pubs were closed one hour early. Midnight, it's not too bad. So know? level four and is, is it midnight? Yeah, midnight. But the thing is, Neil, I do stats every day on my CanaryIslandsTips.com website and I can see here now that it's actually peaked and starting to fall here, you know. 
but like hospital cases and in ICU would be kind of a lagging indicator, you know. I know, same as here, yeah. yeah. So what, what yeah, like level four is a midnight pub? I'd, I'd love to know what a level, I'd love to know what a level five, six or seven is if level four is hospitality there's open no, till midnight. It's all level five. Actually, Neil, I was down playing this last week, right? And we were on tra- level three at the time and that was 1 a.m., and I was in, you know, over here you have these like big commercial centres with loads of bars and music and all that. But on Friday night, like I was sitting down having a pint at half three in the morning in places, you know. The places just stayed open. And then yeah. on Saturday, yeah. the police turned up at half one and all the bars closed. But it was very light touch, you know. Light touch, yeah, 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 yeah. But like level three would be 1 a.m. in the morning, level four is midnight. Yeah. Um, but yeah. these more, but if these, these are stricter rules then... Um, at a time um, when the virus is dropping, it's yeah. Well, it's just start. It's just really started to drop in the last week. Okay. So it's still very high levels. But what it is, they have these five risk indicators, and the main one that was hospital occupancy and ICU, and they were just a bit tight, so they just went up a level. Gotcha. But I don't think it's going to come down fairly quickly then, as well. You know. And is there good bargains to be had with regards to flights? Oh, unbelievable. I'm like a chicken. And I I was reading, there's a guy called Simon Calder. I was reading his column there on the UK Independent yesterday. And he was saying like there was a package holiday to the Canaries from the UK for £180 or something like that, you know? Good God. But, but Neil, but uh, I like prices definitely are increasing for most hotels um, on, say, pre-pandemic 2019. I can already see it, you know. So this year, when things get better, you're not going to have a cheaper holiday in the Canaries, that's for sure, you know. All right, but at least yeah. there'll be Guinness there and there'll be a bit of sunshine. The Maybe not now. and I'm on a ship now. Did you hear that? I'm actually, uh, <laughs> I'm living on a ship these days. Okay. When you not, say a ship, a boat, describe a it. Ship. What do you mean a ship? Uh, well, I tell you now, right, to get onto the ship, I was on a coach, remember I told you that, and it was yeah. killing me. But I have a friend here from Galway, he has three ships in the harbour, so I'm actually on a modern trawler in a cabin and to get onto the ship, there's a big ship which is going for a scrap in a couple of days. That's five hatches. So I have to walk up the gangway, <laughs> go over the scrap ship, uh, come back, come in another gangway and then onto the, the big trawler and there's actually a tug next to that which I don't have to go <laughs> But like, uh, so I don't think I'm not sure it's a good time for the Guinness to be back. No, he's, especially walking he shouldn't up that be supping Guinness at three o'clock in the morning and going back yeah, to the ship yeah, like that. Yeah. I'm telling you, and uh, oh, I tell you one thing is, uh, I'm uh, a lot fitter in the last week. That's for sure. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, the first day I saw the gang walk. I was like, oh my god. Uh, fair play, but, uh, you always have a yeah. story or two. Stay in touch. All right, we'll chat again soon. Okay, take care for now. Yeah. All right. Take, take it easy. Bye. <laughs> Mind your balance. Pat O'Neill in Las Palmas. You can follow him at www.canaryislandtrips.com. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And Dawn's on one. Dawn, good morning. Here we are. You, okay, the, all of the uh, gas and electric bills are coming in on everything. And you're, I bet you got a shock and a fright, did you? I did a bit, to be honest, this morning um, when they came in through the door and I was just thinking to myself, where is this 100 euro that's supposed to be taken off of it? You know your bill now has gone up um, by anywhere between 20 and 30 or 35% in costs. Oh, I know, I know the cost of units, sure they've gone up 
you know, they've been going up the last couple of months. They went up and then they went up again. Um, so I was expecting it to be a bit, you know, a bit higher anyway. I nearly, I nearly just, collapsed, I have to say. <laughs> I nearly needed CPR. I think at this stage nobody should open an energy bill unless there's another person in the room with them. You wanted to know where the 100 euro got, went, is it? Yeah, what happened to that? You know, um, every everybody in the country will get a hundred euro d- deducted automatically off their bill, but I I don't believe it will happen. You won't see it in a bill until February or March. Oh, that's a pity. Yeah. January's always the high one, isn't it? <laughs> well, that that's my understanding because I just googled it, knowing you were coming on, and they were saying, "Yeah, you'll get a hundred euro automatically. You you won't get a check or anything. It'll just come off the bill." They'll give it to the provider of your power source, your electricity or gas. But it'll be February at the earliest, possibly March. What What was your bill? Do you mind me asking? Two of them together were just over 500. And Elec- electric and gas. Here, so. What? There's only myself here. Um, but the two of them together were over 500. Now, I do work from home, but I'm, I suppose just to highlight it, anyone who's working from home, you're in for a bit of a shock. Definitely sit down before... You'll get your bill and don't be expecting the hundred to be off the one in January. You know? I know. And what was it been what would it have been normally the January bill last year? Would it have been a lot less? Yeah, a good bit less now. I mean I think everyone uses a bit more over Christmas, you know, yeah. during the before that, but it would have been nowhere near that. You could have probably taken a hundred euro or more off of Off that it, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're saying, yeah. And is that a two month bill? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah. And do, I often wonder: Do people get enough back for their employ for, from their employers? The fact that you're picking up extra light, extra heat, extra energy costs. I think a lot of people are dependent on getting it back through tax credits. Yeah, I know, but it's only three euro a day or something, isn't it? Yeah, but most employers they just won't give it. And when you look into the tax credit side of things. Between the ins and the outs, it's really, it's not worth claiming. For it's the tiny, it's Mickey Mouse. I mean, do, does anybody pay for people's Wi-Fi or, or broadband, for instance, if they're working from home? I know some some companies do. Mine don't now, but I know that I did work for a company before that did. The thing as well about claiming it back through revenue is you, you, you really have to kind of go through the hassle of going through an accountant. And by the time you've done that, sure... You're in the minus column anyway. See, that's the downside. Isn't you are, yeah? Isn't that the downside to working from home? Also, are you covered in the work? Are you? Is that deemed as your workplace? So, are you covered in the event of an accident in your home while technically working? All these grey areas, you know. Yeah, I know that for claiming it back through revenue, you have to work out how many rooms are in the house, including the hall and utility room, and you can only use one of those rooms as an office. So, you're talking about dividing up. By so many that's times just a complete. You can claim. That's a dose, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a bit. It's it's not worth claiming at uh, the end of the day. I know, I know, I know. Lose, lose for you and anybody working from home. So I hope that answers your question. I don't know whether it does or not, but they're talking about one hundred euro would be automatically deducted from your bill. Every household in the country would benefit, and it would be deducted from household bills in February or March. Perfect. 
I look forward to February or March is still so. All right, girl, take care. Cheers for now. Um, I mean, that's kind of like a, you know, a very vague answer. Like, which is it? Is it February or March? But that's as much as I know with regards to when and if it would happen. But can I just do some more emails and texts? And thanks to everybody who reached out and got in touch. Morning. I'm a 31-year-old female. When I was 19 years old, Having worked in hospitality since I was 15, I decided I would get a job in a hotel in Cork. I was interviewed by a man who would become my manager. During the interview, he seemed extremely friendly and a nice guy. Uh, However, after my first night working in the hotel, I was made feel uncomfortable with inappropriate comments and his behavior changed towards me. He was nice in front of other workers and his own direct manager. However, when, when they were not around, he became invasive and in my face. I came home from my first shift and cried to my parents for hours about what had happened and how uncomfortable it made me feel. I wanted to quit so bad, but I'm a bit stubborn and thought maybe I'd imagined it. Maybe he was having a bad night. Well, I was so wrong. It got so much worse. He began texting and calling me out of hours. I wouldn't reply and I would not answer. That made things so much worse. One example, for instance, being that he began to roster me on shifts at 4 a.m. to clean dust off shelving units in the breakfast area where it would be just him and me. Another example was he made me stand in a tiny area, almost like an open cupboard, uh, polishing glasses, and he would just stand behind me and watch. Like I said, I had just turned 19 and had never worked in a hotel before, but I did think his behavior was very strange. I was so stressed and upset with the thought of having to go back there every time. It got so bad that he began calling and then texting me uh, when I didn't answer some even- evenings, demanding to know where I was and who I was with. It got so bad that one evening I was in the car with my mother and I answered the call to let her hear what he was saying. She was horrified. We should have gone straight to the guards, but I was scared. Technically, he had not physically done anything wrong. Well, I immediately left my job the day after and refused to work out my two weeks' notice. I'm so sorry now that I never reported it. If I'd known what I know now, I definitely would have done something about it. Uh, It took a long time to sit down and send me that text, and I do appreciate it. Uh, Your show has taken a serious nosedive this week. Uh, Very disappointed in your absolute refusal to push back against people that are using this poor girl's murder to promote extreme left-wing and man-hating agendas. Several of the women you've had on were clearly making up their stories. And you sat there agreeing with them 100% of everything that they said. We had a conversation in a group here as to whether you're afraid to confront people or you genuinely agree with them. Either way, all very, very disappointing, says Dara. Well, as I've often said, you're entitled to your opinion. I've read out your text. Do you really believe, because I certainly don't, do you honestly believe that several of the women that I've had on the air over the past few days were making up their stories? I mean, like, honestly? Uh, men are being chastised far too much these days, Neil. It's humans are bad, not men. It's the same when a dad or a mom kills a child. The dad is always made out to be some weirdo and freak when a dad kills a child. When a woman does it, it's always, oh, the poor thing, she obviously wasn't right in the head or in the right frame of mind. Can't come on air, but this needs to stop chastising men. You can't blame all men for a small percentage being scum. One final one for now. Shocking what happened to Ashling. Thoughts are with her and her family, but I would like to raise the fact that domestic violence is happening all across the country for both genders. 
I was involved in a court case a few years back in which I was attacked by my then girlfriend. Long story short, because I pushed her in retaliation, she fell and I was charged and convicted of assault. Despite numerous cuts and scratches on my face, the attitude of the guards was suck it up and get on with it. Courts will always side with women when it comes to cases against men. System needs to change uh, to convict women of domestic abuse and coercive control as well, uh, says Rich by text to 086 Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. New year, new number for Neil. 0818-104-106. That 100 euro credit for household electricity bills and gas and stuff like that, I just checked with the newsroom, that's been delayed. Like everything else, you think it could have happened automatically on the first day of the new year, wouldn't you, Uh, for the bill? And then you'd have it in your January bill, but nah, it's going to be March now. Uh, before you get it so you might even get it in March if your bill is March April you won't see it until the start of February so that's a a bit of a bummer they're pushing it back um, until March so but it will come I mean it's a drop in the ocean really by comparison to the increases I mean seeing texts coming in already from people talking about how much more they're paying on a fill of petrol now than they did say this time last year don't even look at what you were paying in the difference this time five years ago but anyway listen um, I want to talk to Amanda Coffey because uh, I tried to get to talk to her yesterday but we were very very busy it's a super story um, I was sent a TikTok video over the weekend of uh, um, a bunch of Cork people who rented <laughs> rented a pub for the weekend and they were she flew around the entire pub the inside of the pub upstairs downstairs into the pool room uh, into the kitchen up to the bedrooms and everything uh, and video the whole thing and I said how cool is that so it's a great story and it's actually Amanda's pub she bought it uh, back in the height of the lockdown Amanda good morning hang on a second let me get myself together can you hear me now okay yeah Amanda Hello, hi, uh, good morning. Can you hear me? Is that line all right for you? The quality's okay? I, I can indeed. It's okay. perfect, yeah. All right. So this is um, this premises was a pub that dates back to the early 1800s, is it? It is indeed, yeah. It was a bridge house in uh, Pearson's Bridge uh, near Ballylicky. So it's right between uh, Bantry and Lengara. So it's an absolutely beautiful Oh, spot. my God. Talk about a beautiful part of the world. And originally, three cottages converted into a public house and it stayed as a public house for all of the 1800s, all of the 1900s, all of the 20s up until about, what, 2016, 17? Yeah, absolutely. It shut down then um, and the license was sold and we came across it in uh, early last year and uh, bought it in March last year and uh, did a bit, bit of work with it. It was a pub and a and b um, so there's already six bedrooms, four en suite, uh, two other bathrooms, bedrooms with a shared bathroom. <laughs> um, and we upgraded it, stuck in a pool table, a games room, air hockey and dark. Air um, hockey, I forgot room, about the air hockey. So. But the bar counter <laughs> was there, was it? And the taps and the optics and everything? Absolutely, yeah. This is, this is actually our, our second venture into this. Um, we were living in the States uh, back in 2017. Um, and we bought, uh, we were looking for so, so somewhere we could go with our large extended family when we visited home. Um, so we bought a, a pub in uh, North Tip near near um, <laughs> near Loch Derg, um, and just, just really for ourselves. And then when we moved back home to Wicklow, we decided just to share the fun with others. Um, that's been very successful. So we were keeping an eye out for another place. 
Um, and we were absolutely delighted to find uh, this place in Pearson's Bridge. It's absolutely fantastic. And uh, the, the people have been so friendly and helpful and supportive of this new venture. It's, it's, it's gone great. And have you seen the TikTok video of the group that went down from Cork? Oh, I have indeed, yeah. That's the greatest it's, advertising it's, you'll ever get. Oh, it's incredible. It's gone viral, Neil. It's on, it's on news. She's in racing. She's racing around the bar <laughs> and she's into the pool tables, up to the bedrooms, into the kitchen with all the food they brought with them for cooking. It's superb. Absolutely. It's great fun. And uh, yeah, I've been in contact with Kelly to thank her. You literally couldn't get better advertisement. And we've been inundated with bookings ever since. It's great. And tell me this. I mean, so how does it work? You book it for a weekend, is it? How much will it cost me? Where do I get the kegs? Is there drink behind the bar? What's the deal? Uh, you book it for the weekend through Airbnb. So the prices vary depending on depending on how many guests you have. Um, the basic cost is, is sort of about about two thousand if there's sixteen of you, and then depending on whatever Airbnb charge, you know, uh, for the weekend. Um, and it's all set up, ready to go. We don't have a license, so we can't supply drinks to people. But people can certainly bring their own Guinness product keg, um, set it up there, and uh, be their own barman or barwoman for the weekend. So it's great fun. So you can pull actual pints of stout or pints of draft. Oh, absolutely. Everything's there. All the glassware is there. The optics are there. You can even put your spirits up. Um, and yeah, it's, it's all good to go. And so have you got a big fun. 55, 60 inch TV there? Or what's the deal then? Do people want to have Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we stuck in some TV. So a lot of people go down and watch the sports. Uh, big, big TV in the living room. Uh, big TV with Netflix as well in, in the bar. That's incredible. And have you? do you find that people bring all of their own food and that they cook then in the kitchen and have a meal and stuff? They do. Because we left the kitchen, it was a restaurant, um, and because we left the kitchen just as is, as a catering kitchen uh, with, with big gas cookers and a big American fridge freezer, people do tend to stay there for the weekend. Um, we, most, of our, most of our guests are sort of, you know, groups in their 30s and 40s um, who all say they were finding it hard to find somewhere for a big group to go and to stay together. Um, so they do tend to cook a lot, a lot uh, in the pub. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And then, of course, you're upstairs to your king size bed or whatever the case may be, depending on your group. Like for two thousand euro for the weekend by sixteen people, that's a hundred and twenty-five euro a head. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing, and it's got the Wi-Fi and everything. It does. It has Wi-Fi. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We've got we've got a setup so you can plug in your iPhone with uh, Bluetooth or well, play your music uh, with Bluetooth. So uh, yeah, you can have the full Are you fire, light a fire? For the weekend. There's two open fires. Yeah, absolutely. And it looks like a beautiful country pub, doesn't it? It just ticks all it of is. those boxes. <laughs> it is. I mean, you you wouldn't change a thing. It's absolutely perfect. And yeah, what are the bookings absolutely. like, and where are they coming from? Um, most of the people, actually, it's 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 uh, it's interesting. Most of the people are actually from different areas of Cork. I'd say about sixty percent of our bookings so far have been people from other areas of Cork that don't want to travel too far, maybe in the winter, um, and just head out uh, to the most beautiful place in Cork. It's uh, a gorgeous part of the world. Anywhere near Glengariff is just beautiful. But are they are they primarily celebrating something, or is it a party, or is it just getting together with friends, or what? At the moment, we're just finding that so many people have missed so many occasions, you know, birthdays, anniversaries, um, that they're really just, just hoping to get together just to, to celebrate all those missed occasions. And there's no, there's no issue with regards to regulations or numbers and COVID and all that kind of thing, no? 
No, no, it's it's self catering, and we're all we're all COVID compliant, um, so we're, we're we're very careful about I that. I think it's yeah. fantastic. And you're looking for other pubs like this. Is it pubs that have run their course and closed? Um, yeah, well, we yeah, I mean, it's going so far, so good so far. Um, but it is hard to find places with with this much accommodation. You know, we were very very lucky to find this one. That's fantastic. Maybe it mightn't suit everybody in, in the sense you need to be careful that you don't want somebody going down there and trashing the place. You know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, we take all our bookings through Airbnb. Um, it's over 25s only. Uh, we don't do stagger hen nights. Um, you know, we're very conscious of our lovely neighbours. And, uh, you know, it's so it's, it's great fun. So far, so good. And yeah, listen, with, you know, with the open fire, is it possible to get a few sops of turf as well, is it? Oh, I'd say so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing like the smell of turf in a pub. Yeah. <laughs> and does somebody then have to be designated as barman or barwoman? Oh, that's it. Well, people seem to take turns and there's great pictures uh, of, of people just enjoying themselves oh, being barman and barwoman for the weekend. All right. Fantastic. Uh, and, you, like, and then after, after the weekend, you literally close the door and off you go. Somebody else that's has got to... Somebody That's else has it, got to yeah. do the deep clean. Like, it's fantastic. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But, uh, no, right. it's great. Amanda, if somebody wants to book it or get in touch, how can they do so? Pearson's Bridge, Ballylicky. Where, how can they go about That's it? That's it. Well, if they just Google Airbnb, the holiday pub, um, they'll get they'll get our listing and they'll see the two, um, the, two, the two pubs. They can choose between one or the other. And if they pop in their numbers, they'll get the correct price. And, yeah, you can take it from there. You say you have two of them? We do. We've the one in North North. Tipperary. Oh, Tipperary! I know. Yeah, one in Tipperary yeah. and one in West Cork. Well, listen, yeah. it's a fantastic idea. It's a novel idea. Obviously, you've turned it into a business. And I wish you the best of luck in the world with it. All right. Thank you so much. Love you. Should talk to you. Take Thanks, care. Neil. Cheers. Fantastic. Bye bye. There you bye. go. Another option for you as we head into the new year. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And Noel's on the line. Noel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for taking the call. You wanted to pick up on energy bills, is it? They're hitting the they're hitting the doormats now this month. Yeah, I mean, not even the energy bill, but what she was saying about the working from home and getting that three euro twenty whatever it is back from revenue. Um, I did that. There now at the start of January. I'm also working from home, and I actually found it quite simple. I didn't have to be saying I'm in this room or calculating. I only used it for X amount of hours or anything like that. How did you do? Did you go onto ROS? Is it Revenue Online? Yeah, I go onto Revenue, log into my account, yeah. and um, literally all they asked me for was how many days I actually worked from home for, and. That was nearly the hardest part, just sort of counting up days that will say I was working part-time or if I only had holiday. Okay, or, so you put in the amount, like if, if you're working full-time, you put down five? Yeah, exactly. Okay, right. and then what, is well, that multiplied by 350, year, is it? Like, yeah, we'll say, yeah, it was out of the whole year, how many days I worked in the year. And it, it didn't ask me to put in any receipts or anything like that for my electricity bills. Now I'm sure the taxman could come back if there was a problem, if it seemed extortionist. But um, no, they didn't ask me to provide any proof or anything, just put in the amount it is. Five multiplied by 350 is 1750 uh, a week. Are you telling me that? Is it 350 a day? 320, I think. All right, well, let's correct that. 320 multiplied by five. And let's say you're working uh, 48 
weeks of the year at home multiplied uh, after messing that up multiplied by 1750 you should be getting 840 euro back is it well depends on other like if you had a underpayment to begin with and things like that but uh, I mean I did I got a, a nice chunk back like tell me that you'd actually get it it was a credit off your tax was it yeah oh yeah I got uh, I got the repayment that's something like yeah, so the revenue and fairness yeah. are giving you that. It's a tiny amount of money, but that's three twenty yeah. a day. But your electric yeah. and heating bill has probably gone up a tenner a day. So you're still, you know, you're still down. Now, it's still costing you money. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I won't, like, you know, I mean, again, I'm working from home. My partner has an e-card charging at least once a week. And Jesus, our bill didn't come out anything as expensive as that lady's. She's living at home on her own and her bill for electric and gas for January. I imagine it's November, December's bill that she got yeah. in January was over 500 oh, yeah. euro. Like, mine, ours was only about 300, like, so, I mean, I'm in no position to come and done. My hers was 200 or more expensive than mine. Is yours electric only, is it? No, no, it was the electric and the gas. And the gas, okay. Is, yeah. it, a big, is it a big house or a small house? It's a decent sized house, yeah. It's three-bedroom, is it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and yours came in at about 200 for the two of you. Hers came in at 500 on her own. That makes no sense. No. Unless, you know, some people feel the cold more than others, like. Maybe. No, I, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here with two jumpers on. <laughs> You're hardy, I'd say. You might be hardy out. <laughs> Maybe. I like just I'm a no position to come and do her you see, but I'm just saying in terms of Some people you can't heat them up at all. They're always frozen. <laughs> Twenty four degrees know, in the sitting room and they're still frozen. Huh? Yeah, yeah. It's fire on during the summer, I know. But uh, no, just in terms <laughs> of getting the super back from revenue. Uh, it should right, be good. easier than all that. All right, mind yourself. Nice one. Thanks, Noel. No good luck. Good luck. I got a smart tech system fitted years ago. The, the only thing about them is, I think, in spite of everything that was put in and all of the tech that was put in, my bills went up. I often wonder about smart tech technology that you put in and you have zoned heating in different rooms or whatever, you, where they come on and off at different times, you can control them. The problem with all of that technology is that the boiler is always on. Do you remember the old days? Maybe people still have it where your boiler goes off and it comes on in a timer and off in a timer. Maybe most people are still at that. With a lot of smart tech systems, the boiler is always, yeah, you're zoning it and you're doing all this, that and the other. But I have found, unfortunately, that in spite of everything else, bills went up. They certainly never came down in spite of the investment. Anyway, text 0868104106. They say that as well about a lot of the, um, you know, air to water systems you can put in and the big new uh, machines that you can get, the very tech-friendly things, um, that you, um, if the house isn't A-rated or B-rated, it, you're wasting your time putting those systems in uh, because they're just going to be burning uh, up the units trying to heat the house because the house isn't properly insulated. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, some people have put in these big new systems, which is, uh, you know, the air-to-heat systems. Um, they ripped them out again, apparently, because it ended up costing a fortune because the house might have been a C or a D. That's what I'm told anyway. A lot of people texting on energy costs. Shop around for your energy. Save a lot by moving. I went from Borgash to Electric Ireland. Got huge savings for new customers. Yeah, you're right. I actually did the same. I, I rang up energy and said, I got to go, pal. This is ridiculous. They gave me, I don't know, something like 250 euro off the next bill and 
40% off the unit cost for gas and electric. I mean, you can get savings if you kick up. It's costing me 12 euro more to fill my car with petrol than it did a few months ago. There's an example of energy costs for you. On claiming remote work from revenue, the second last caller was incorrect. I claimed it last week. It took five minutes and the money was in my bank two days later. All I had to do was give the price of my electric and internet for the last 12 months and state the amount of days I worked remote, which I put down as 365 days. No other questions were asked. I didn't get much. Uh, I got about 300 euro, but it still was worth five minutes that it took to Siobhan. You're actually saying that it ended up in your bank account. Mm. I thought it was a tax credit you got. And you know the other issue that's very annoying? Somebody said there, um, you save a lot by moving a lot. I went from board gosh to Electric Ireland and I got huge savings. Those huge savings are for new customers. Here's the problem with that. That means that many of the utility providers or those that provide you insurance or whatever the case may be, or your bank or your electricity or gas provider, they are engaging constantly in a thing that I called loyalty tax. A loyalty tax is where they increase constantly the price to loyal customers, but they give greatly reduced discounts to new customers. And that, to me, is the most unfair thing of all. Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number, 0818-104-106. Yes, indeedy, and uh, line one is Jim, who actually goes back and forth a few times a year overseas to the sun. Jim, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Gran Canaria, Gran Canaria, I think, is it? That's correct. I wouldn't say go over there a few times a year. I was over there. I was over there back then, and uh, usually once a year, over two. Oh, I'm sorry, it's said here a few times a year. Anyway, do you know the area well? well anyway, do you go to the same place? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My my sister goes and brother go over there quite frequently, much okay. more than me. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, did you notice yeah, no, many? Did you notice many people over there working remotely? I, well, it's October. No, I didn't. Yeah. It doesn't mean that there hasn't been. But the point I'm picking up on from the, the previous caller who highlighted this, Pat, yeah. <laughs> it's all very well. Uh, anyone who's working remotely there is on the pig's back because they're getting paid Irish rates. A lot of the, it's all very well saying that the stuff is, that food and restaurants and drink is for half nothing, but a lot of those uh, workers over there are just being paid just over five euro an hour, and we need it's to bear that. That's right. That's why prices are cheaper. It reflects the wages there. You see, of course. But you have people and over there on an Irish wage getting fierce value. Yes, and the other thing is that um, with regard to, uh, I mean, we 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 checked out car hire on online uh, before we went over the last time, and the prices had just escalated. Right, so we said no bloody way. But for anyone who's thinking of going over there, they could cut out the online uh, car hire and you'll always get a local trader yeah. who, who may operate in the local uh, resort yeah. because you can get it for as cheap as about 30 to 35 euro a day. Like if you wanted to just go up to the mountains for a day, depending on the size of the car. It'll vary between, I suppose, 30 to 50. So you find that if you do your business locally you'll get yeah. it cheaper because if you're doing it online, it's more of a captive tourist market when you book ahead. That's correct. And yeah. that includes insurance as well. There you go. Um, yeah, that's, it's like, it's like as the fella says, you know, when you're, you're better, sometimes you're better off rocking up to a hotel um, yeah. when you get to somewhere and getting a much better deal than putting together a holiday plan in advance, you know? Yeah, and the thing about that is, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah. The, uh, 
cost of petrol was about one euro ten. Yeah. So you can see, you can see. Um, yeah, I know. You know, yeah. there is a lower cost of living. Yeah. But when the, the other point is, I mean, we were in paradise here. If it, it's not exactly paradise, but my geez, when when you see what how long the PUP payment has gone on for some people of three fifty a week, mm. they were getting one one hundred. Uh, was that their max? Because three fifty was our max. I mean, it graduated yeah, down one, and one hundred. But the 100. most that the most that a Spaniard ever got on their equivalent to a pub yes. payment was hundred. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they they with regard to the welfare, there are completely different rules over there. <laughs> Once you go beyond the limit on your unemployment, that's it. Like, way more stringent. Yeah, but they do. I mean, like. They do, they do hassle people here, though, on long-term dole, you know, asking oh, yeah, them for, are you applying for jobs, show us the letters and things like that. I mean, I, well, I don't know what happens. I honestly don't know what happens after that, but I do hear they ask for proof that you're looking for work. I'm not going to get into that, no. I don't know what happens. Anyone, do people get cut yeah. off, ultimately? I, I don't know. But with regard to, uh, and I would be aware of it. My God, if you had, if you had uh, an employer who was with no problem with you going off to the Canaries or to Spain, and, you know, I'm not saying the production would go up, but it could go up based on what your boss has done for you. Um, like, you really are a winner when when it comes to the Yeah, but if you worked for a multinational in Ireland, right, who also had offices yeah. around the world, it could be anything, a Google or a Facebook or anything like that, shouldn't shouldn't they technically be paying you the, the, the wage rate in the country that you're working in? So if an Irish person goes to Spain, surely they should be paid the Spanish wage rate. Wage rate. Yeah, um, I, I see where you're coming from, but you, you like you're you you've probably gone into a contract and it's based on what you're producing. True enough. You, yeah, you make an excellent point there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're you're you have signed a contract and it isn't. They're not hiring you because if it's their if it was in their interest that you could operate. With a bit more energy, been in a different location, why wouldn't you experiment well said. with it for yeah, a while? Yeah. Your sister was there recently and she she mentioned to you about the behaviour of some nationalities. What did she mean by that? Well, uh, quite a lot of pubs were closed and uh, they'll always, I suppose, be pubs who work on the edge. But she says, uh, I mean, she used to go to one particular pub in particular and she said that there wasn't a chance of her going in there because with the, with the close contact that was going on in there, it was just over the top. Uh, and I, I, I could say that they were English, but he won't, but, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> I won't say that you could say, but you won't say, but they are. So they were like, they weren't following any yeah, of the protocols. Yeah, yeah. It was like no, no, a free no, for you, you yeah. could understand, like, you could understand what the uh, environment that they came from, what the... What the lockdown wasn't as severe as other countries. Yeah. That's so she was, she was fearful of going into a lot of places because of that. She was, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know, yeah. I know. She was, you just yeah. have to pick the places you want to because be Because she did see it on the other, she did see it on, uh, on the other side. Uh, she watched, um, I mean, there, at one stage during the um, epidemic, I mean, she was over there, she was over there at a time when there was nobody allowed on the beach. So the numbers had come away down and you would imagine that they were going to lift the restrictions. And she saw this one young couple with their two kids. They were the only kids on the beach, or the only people on the beach. And two, two um, policemen came down 
and give them the, the heave ho off the. Oh, I think that might have made. I think that might have made uh, the the online news stories. I what think. Did it? I think. I think yeah, it but she actually done. saw it. Yeah. she saw it. Really? Yeah. Or she saw one of those uh, yeah. situations, yeah. anyway. But you know, uh, you're. I, I'm going off on a tangent here now because I, I'm taking the call up in a, a room upstairs, and there was one of the. Christmas presents still hanging around, and you were on about the the heat and the 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 temperature and the cold and the cost of stuff. And one of the things that came in over Christmas was um, an oblong uh, hot water bottle. It's about two two and a half foot. Use it or lose it, pal. Well, I tell you something. If you weren't married, it would make a great companion well, to wrap. Here you go, it. boy. Yeah, and a, and a hot water bottle won't give you any grief. <laughs> that's my lot anyway cheers Jim take care appreciate the call staying with energy costs Finbar yes Neil alright so you wanted to make some comparisons you have the uh, research done I'm sure go ahead well uh, yeah right the price of energy right it's outside the control like it's it's, uh, it's supply and demand really right no our biggest problem with our uh, energy charges is the VAT that's charged in England, I believe it's only 5%. What is it here? And is it 13 or 23 or what? Well, I think we are 13 and upwards. Yeah. But if you look, you see, the higher the price of energy here, the more the government are going to get all the people out of that. Well, you do have the VAT on it. On top of that, then, you have a tax. PSO, and you have a carbon tax, yeah. and you have a standing charge. Then you have a standing charge. And I asked the other day, what exactly is a standing charge? It was something like €270 Euro a year. And she said, a standing charge is um, the cost to each customer for the pipes and the pylons and the, the infrastructure that's needed to get the gas into your house. And I said, but surely that should be included in the price. <laughs> Need you should have said for that thing, Jesus, maybe we should have charged for the breathing air as well. No, but I definitely think, like, well, I'd say we're one of the highest for energy charges and VAT in, 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 in the world, really. Yeah. Like, but what I'm saying, it's the VAT is the problem. And uh, MPs in England at the minute, like I suppose, uh, opposition, they want the government to reduce... <laughs> to 5% completely. I know what you're saying. But why is it that energy providers can give a first-time customer a 40% discount on unit costs for gas and electricity, but they don't give it to long-term loyal customers? Insurance companies do it as well, incidentally, for first-time insurance premiums. Yeah, I don't know. But at the same time, the, the, the answer to that is like the people who, who the loyal customer... They should just move to someone else, but make sure they're getting a good deal. Like Which means that. that every time your contract is up, and usually it's a one-year contract, you need to go on to Bonkers or somewhere like that, or you need to pick up the phone and shop around. I know, but as I said, Neil, like, as long as the VAT is 13% and we have standing charges, we will always have very, very gotcha. high energy. All right, Pat. Thanks all right, Neil. Cheers, Finbar. Well said. I mean, you can look at all sorts of other options. Two things that I, that I kind of looked at very, very closely. One was the air to heat pump. You know, the heat pump that you can get in? And they say, like, there's a big cost to put it in first. It could cost you upwards of maybe 10 or 12 grand to get it in. But if you have huge, huge bills, they say that it should pay back. But then when you drill into it, and I, I kind of... The jury's out on heat pumps because they say that if the house isn't really... T- like a new house now is built now would be A, triple A. 
mean, it would cost nothing to heat it. But for anything that's maybe 15, 20, 25, 30 years old, of course, your chances are you're a C, you might be a D plus. So an air pump then, not going to be as effective. It's a bit like, you'd be very touchy feel but looking at electric cars and then I was looking at the cost of them and I was looking, my God, you could be looking at 40, 50, 60 grand and you'd have the range anxiety and everything. Is it still too soon for things like that? Uh, but I suppose that's just the different things regarding the changes in technology and what have you. Lines open on one eight. Sorry, lines open on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. You can text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I will come back to more texts and emails in the past couple of days. Out of respect for people who shared their stories, and God knows many did. But can I just go back um, and just mention and chat with Uno Driscoll because yesterday I was talking with the great Jack Barley, who at the age of ninety last weekend, last Sunday was his last last day tickling the ivories at Hayfield Manor and we chatted um, could chat all day with the great Jack Barley uh, and his musical career just an all around wonderful wonderful guy and at one stage we mentioned um, the Regal Show Band um, and the Regal Show Band were like many other show bands in Ireland hugely popular the 50s and the 60s in particular the heyday of the show bands and that's why Una got in touch with me Una good morning Good and, morning, your, Neil. and your dad, Jimmy O'Driscoll, played with the Regal, didn't he? He was a drummer, was he? He was, yeah. Um, and, and he also played with the Whiteheader show band. Oh, and do you remember as a child your dad being in a show band? I do. Where was he from? Many, uh, Bantry in West Cork. And isn't that where, isn't that where it started? Wasn't it a chap by the name of Minahan down in Bantry started it, wasn't it? Uh, John, John Minahan, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of kind of name changes down through the years. So Declan Ryan was involved at one stage, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And did your and, did your dad um, travel a lot? He did, yeah. And also my uncle Shawnee played the sax with John Minahan. There was a big brass section to that band. I know that Marco Petrassi played, the great Len McCarthy played in it, the great saxophonist. Um, uh, yeah. B- Benny Houseman, who tragically died then some years back, he was in the Regal. Did your dad know Jack Briarley? Um, I would imagine he did. Um, I was only been at a young age that time, and but I've often heard him talking about him, and I said it was fond memories, yeah. you know. Did your dad practice the drums at home? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> were yeah. your head were your heads wrecked from the noise of it? Heads wrecked, yep. It's a bit my pla- it's a bit but, like at um, home in my place with the Ilum pipes, I think, you know, they're uh, go yeah. they go crazy. And uh, it yeah, it's just so funny now that um, my grandson um now is um starting to play the drums and um he's taking up uh, music in um Trilly. He hasn't got granddad's drum kit, no? Oh god no. <laughs> Is your dad still but, alive, um, incidentally, and I don't know. No, he's not. My dad passed away, uh, Neil. Um, he passed away when he was 65. Teddy, um, he was so um, young. But, yeah. Yeah. And he um, he loved the music. He loved um, Jim Reeves and all the different I show bands. I hear the bands sound of distant drums. Yeah. I bet that was one of his yeah. favourites, was it? It was, um, and um, as I said, um, we had fond memories at home of him uh, playing um, the drums and playing, he loved singing. 
Drummers, the, the drummer and the bass player, they say, are the two most important things in a band, particularly the drummer. That's the drummer right. drives it on. That's the right. drummer's in control. Yeah. And did you did you work in the anchor then? I know the anchor is still there, isn't it, in Bantry? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Might have, might have chatted with so, the people at the anchor some back. Are you are you still there, or did you work there back in the day? Oh God, no. I am. I worked there for the minimum. I, I was there for nearly twenty years, and. Um, it kind of changed hands then down through the years. Was that Brian then, O'Donnell's brother's pub from the city? That's right. There yeah. you go. It's a great pub. I see you have some yeah, great stories from that, when, particularly on fair days and what have you back along. It was it was a combination of everything you'd see anything in there. <laughs> from so, an anchor to a needle. From an anchor to a needle, yeah. yeah. A lot of live music but, in that uh, as well. Yeah. And... Um, I don't know if you've ever been in there yourself or... Sorry, I missed that. What did you say, Una? I said, I don't know if you've ever been in there yourself or... Years ago, I was. It's, I yeah. was. As you drive into Bantry, it's on the right-hand side going in, so I do know it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Happy days down Bantry Way. Well, listen, great to Happy hear days, from you. Yeah. Great to hear from you. Yeah. And good luck to you. Yeah. And thanks for sharing the story of your dad, Jimmy O'Driscoll. All right? Yeah. All the best. Take care. All right. Um, that's the Regal Show Band from back in the day. And of course, they were away six out of the seven nights a week touring the entire country. So uh, a lot of children hardly ever saw their dads back then. Oh, some breaking news coming in. Uh, second man arrested in connection with the investigation into the murder of Ashling Murphy. Second man arrested. He's been arrested in relation to potentially withholding information. Now, this suspect is in his 30s and detained at a Garda station in the eastern region. I have an idea what that might be about, but obviously we can't talk about it. But uh, there were some other stories doing the rounds over the past couple of days regarding somebody else. Gardy have until this evening now to continue to question the first suspect who was arrested yesterday. And that man's in his 30s, uh, was arrested at the Dublin Hospital just as he was being discharged. And he is being held in Tullamore. Okay, back after the break. Text 0868104106. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818104106. Sarah, good morning. Good morning. You wanted to let people to be prepared for, um, let's say, at the very least, very long waits at the CUH. Is that in the A&E? Yeah, in the A&E department. Bearing in mind what they're going through out there, etc., etc. Tell us about your... You had to go in. Was it an emergency? What happened back on the 21st of December? Um, I was in work and I just started to get a couple of pains and then I said, you know, I'd leave it off and see that if the pain would go itself. Um, but it didn't, so I brought myself up to Amy. Was it was stomach um, pains, was it? No, I had an abscess. Oh. Um, so it was kind of making it extremely hard to walk and get around. Um, I have a one-year-old as well at home, so even just doing activities oh, with sure him. I can imagine, yeah, yeah. It was okay. just a bit... And the lead Awkward. up to Christmas, this is only like four days before Christmas, so up you exactly. went. And wh- like, were you, what time did you get up there in the morning? I was up there for 11.30. Okay, was there many there? When I got up to the A&E department, there was maybe four or five. Um, and I got seen within 10, 15 minutes. But when I got into themselves, they said that I wasn't their department, I was maternity. So I left and I went to go over to maternity. But then when I got over there, they said that I wasn't anything to do with them so I was sent back okay so it was, it was some it was okay but it was an issue for the CUMH was it they could they could deal with the emergency there no no I was sent back to any so why, first place why, I were had you, been. why were you sent over there with pain 
Because where the abscess is situated... Um, Gynecological. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. what they had thought. So back and forth. Okay. Pick up on the story then. I got back to the A&E for about 4.30 and I wasn't seen by the doctors until 10.30 that night. And that's when I was told that I was staying in. So that was all kind of well and good. Um, and and how do you spend uh, 11 hours? Is that in A&E just sitting there or, or what? Well, when you first go in, you're obviously seen in triage and then they'll bring you back to the whole A&E department and there's kind of so maybe four waiting areas. So there's one for children. Mm. Then there's one inside for maybe elderly people. Mm. Um, but I was like on a corridor. There was just chairs and they had plastic screens on either side and that's where you waited. And you just, you just, you like others just sit there? Yeah, you just sit there and hope to be called next. Okay, but does anybody give you an idea to, uh, with regards to the time scale involved in that wait or anything or a number? No, absolutely not. Okay. Um, and like I know they're absolutely crazy and they're up the walls, you know, so that's why I kind of just sat there and I waited it out. But where the abscess is situated, it was just, it was too uncomfortable to keep on sitting. So it came to about five o'clock the next morning and I just said, it's worse, I need to lie down because the medication that they were giving me was quite strong. So I was kind of sleepy and, you know, I just, I needed rest. I'd been up there nearly 24 hours at this stage. I just needed somewhere to rest. So she got me like a foldable chair and that's where I sat until I went into the operation. Isn't it an awful shame on behalf of the staff, though, that that's the best they can provide? They must be very dejected about that. I have to think that way, you know. Yeah, well, it, but the it best must... they can offer you is a an adapted chair. Exactly, that's it. Like, I don't think that some of the patients up there are prioritised, and like there was those twenty elderly people, and they were there before I actually got into the A and E. And they were still there when I was moved to this foldable chair. But that was like about 20 hours later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And all they were given was a blanket. And that's if they were lucky. Like there was some of us younger people and we weren't offered a blanket or anything. We were just sitting there. Are you accurate when you talk maybe up to 20 elderly people just sitting there with a blanket? Definitely. But now that was minimum. Hour after hour after hour. Yeah. And what do they do for food and sustenance and water? Um, a trolley comes round maybe every five hours with cups of tea and if you want a cup of tea, you take a cup of tea. They offered sandwiches at about 7.30 if you wanted a sandwich and then you were kind of left to breakfast time. Okay. And people sit there compliant and the hours just roll on? Yeah, they just kept on going on and on. And the elderly, um, would they be on their own? Some of them were allowed to um, bring maybe a family member. I don't know who they had with them, um, but majority of them were on their own. Okay. And is there a lot of staff milling around, doctors, nurses, surgeons coming and going, um, you know, people dealing with the people in A&E? Do you see a lot of activity in that regard? I did. Now, I'll give them that. Like, they were rushed off their feet, yeah. um, but that was only in, like, proper A&E department like anybody else that was out on the corridors we weren't seen to okay. it was just the people in the actual A&E department okay so at five in the morning uh, did you then get admitted to the hospital for surgery what happened next 
I was actually admitted the night before and I was told that there was a bed being prepared for myself to go up to because I would be having the surgery and I'd need to stay in. So they said, look, we'll give you a bed. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I went and I sat back down. Still no sign of a bed at five. And I I just called the nurse over. I just said, look, I need to sleep. So she just grabbed me a foldable chair. And that was it. So when did you actually then get out of the... Did you fall asleep in that, incidentally? I did, yeah. 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 And, and, and I fell asleep and I was brought up for surgery at 10 o'clock then that morning. And it was after the surgery then that I had got a bed. Okay. Were you kept in for a period of time after the surgery? I was kept in for a day. Um, and the, next, the following morning after I had the operation, I kind of... I felt just disgusting for all the world like my dressings and stuff needed a change and I said that to one of the nurses I said look by any chance is there any way that you could give me some clean fresh dressings she said that she didn't know how to do it so she would talk to a doctor or a nurse that did nine hours later that's when I got my dressings changed Right. Was it, do you think that there was a shortage of staff around the wards or were they again... There was quite a lot of staff on that ward, that particular ward at that time. But, but run off their feet busy dealing with patients? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So a lot of staff, a lot of patients. Um, where is it all going wrong then? Is it that there still isn't, in, is there still not enough staff? Well, that's what I think. I think there is a shortage of staff or else maybe there being told on the wards to do only certain things and maybe the t- people that aren't prioritised just come last I suppose maybe maybe I, I'm just not too sure But you get infections from dressings that aren't changed isn't that how people pick up MRSA and things like that? Yeah yeah. Um, and I was told that my dressing would need to be changed um, it's like when I left the hospital there was a nurse and I go every two three days to get them changed just in case of infection and things like that. Okay. You had another appointment to go back then in January. Was it the 4th? The 4th, yeah. I was meant to be going back up to themselves. Um, but I never received any text, even a letter, call, nothing. Um, so I had, I was oblivious to this appointment. I had absolutely no idea. So I obviously missed that appointment because I'm quite far from the hospital. So it's just a waiting game now of where I can get in because just from my experience there, I won't be going back. So I will be going to a different A&E department. So you had an appointment for the 4th of January. You didn't know about that, is it? No, no, I had no idea at all. And how did you find out about the 4th of January? Did they get in touch wondering why you didn't turn up or, or something? No, I had been ringing them with about five days just to see when this appointment was going to be because it was just starting to get a bit uncomfortable at home and stuff so there's no need for it to be in this long um, and they said oh you have an appointment on the 4th of January I said well can you give me a time and they said oh it's in 15 minutes <sighs> you check your spam and your junk and everything you didn't get any yeah absolutely nothing and usually I receive like letters for my appointment and I had received nothing so did you rock up to the A&D ASAP then I did. I went up yesterday um, because I've been constantly ringing every day since the 4th of January um, regarding appointment and I was still getting nowhere so I went up yesterday and checked myself into Amy. I was seen by a doctor after about half an hour so I thought okay this is going good 
and seven hours later I was still left in reception. Everybody else that had gone in and checked in was brought into triage and then they were brought back to the A&E department. So you're back again in the cold A&E on chairs? I didn't even get that far. I was just told to wait out by reception and surgeons would follow but nothing and any time I asked I got shut down the receptionist didn't even open his mouth he just shook his head at me I I just got nowhere So when you tried to have a conversation or ask a question he wouldn't respond verbally? No Okay And do you have a drain hanging off you? I do, yeah Yeah And the way you going in to get the drain removed? Yeah, that's why I, well that's what I had hoped yesterday when I went up to Amy just to get it removed because there's no need for it to be in because my understanding is I'm healing but my body's heaving around the tube, which would cause more damage in the long run. You said that there wasn't a care in the world from doctors or surgeons? No, not yesterday anyway, definitely not. Did it eventually get removed, the drain? No, I'm still here with it in trying to get into some sort of an A&E because I need to go back to work. Um, I was meant to go back to work on the 10th, but my drain is still in, so I could either risk losing my job or I don't I just don't know what's going on anymore so you just came away with the drain still fitted yeah I just I wasn't getting any solution or anything up there and do you think it's just because uh, would you put it down to them being very very busy and understaffed or or is the design wrong or is the system wrong or how they admit people wrong is it antiquated not fit for purpose what I wouldn't say that the system is wrong. I think they have a pretty good system, but I think maybe the surgical side is understaffed because that's who I was meant to be dealing with yesterday was general surgery. And but I, mean, I assume they're all back after Christmas break if they, I mean, some of them, this fortunes probably didn't get a break. They'll be on call all over Christmas, but it yeah. would be all pumps to the wheel now the second week in January, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. So let it be, you're saying to anybody travelling in the CUH, be prepared for long, non-informative waits. Yeah, definitely, long waits. (laughs) All right. And what are you going to do about that drain? Well, I am just going to have to try maybe Clonmel Hospital or Waterford, just somewhere else, Barcourt. God almighty. Because there's no GP that could do it, so unfortunately I'm out of luck that way. Good luck with your quest, Sarah. Do stay in touch. I will. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Nice talking to you. You too. Thank you. And as always, we hear the good and unfortunately, the not so good regarding our health service. To those of you that got in touch over the past uh, number of days and shared your own stories, I will pick up and get more of those on the air tomorrow. But for now, we're going to love you and leave you at that. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.